Welcome, everyone, to episode six of season two of Recreational Thinking with Yoga Shroud. Our guests are Oishi Shimonte, I apologize for mispronouncing that, uh, Drew Schiller, and Charlie Fritz. Remember that order, it's arbitrary, but it'll be consistent throughout the game. So can we start now, each of you, going in that order, briefly state where you're Skyping from and approximately one sentence about yourself, starting with Oishi. Hi, I'm Oishi Shimonti. I'm Skyping from Arcadia, California right now, and I'm currently in the process of moving to Atlanta. Very exciting. Cool. Drew? Um, my name is Drew Sheeler. I'm from Sandusky, Ohio. And when it isn't the end times, I like visiting places. Charlie? Hey, I'm Charlie Fritz. I'm Skyping in from Chicago, Illinois, and my college football team won their bowl game today. Congrats. Nice. Thank you. Thank what you. What college Thanks. is this? All of the gear that I am wearing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I, I went to Northwestern. Cool, cool. Go Cats. You'll either have one or two victories to celebrate today. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this game is in four rounds, one individual and three specialists. We'll start now with the individual round. I call it the three R's round. It allows me to reduce, reuse, and recycle prior material. These questions mostly serve as a warm-up in square quotes because unlike what some people may think when they hear the term warm-up, they're not intended to be easy. Uh, they're actually some of the hardest questions of the game, so it's more kind of a throw-you-in-the-deep-end style warm-up, but they'll also be worth a tenth of a point as tiebreakers if necessary. For this round only, you'll answer as individuals, so if the first person the question is directed at misses, it'll go to the second, then the third of the first two miss. So the further back you are, the less of a direct shot you have, but the more time you have to think and potential, answer, potential answers could get taken off the table. They'll rotate so each of you gets to answer three questions in first position, three in second, three in third, and then the rules will change after this round. I'll explain that when that happens. And so I'll just put in the standard reminder, the content of the podcast is you are talking through your thinking process. So don't internalize your thinking, share any interesting connections or thoughts you have, but you don't need to talk just for the sake of talking. We don't need filler. At this point, I've learned that there's really no need for for filler anywhere. Mm -hmm. All right. So we will start with Oishi in first position on the first question. And I will copy and paste them into the chat window so you also can read them because some of them oh, are... Oh, that's useful. Yes, some of them are fairly complicated to parse. Okay, published in 1911 as part of the Tom Swift series of adventure novels put out by the Stratemeyer Syndicate under the nom de plume Victor Appleton, Tom Swift and His Electric Rifle is a terribly dated Great White Hunter narrative that would be utterly forgotten today if not for what terribly dated great white hunter did it inspire jaws in some way is that, is that what you're locking in that is what i'm locking in all right a decent guess but not correct drew i i think i've actually heard this somewhere before i'm pretty sure that tom swift and his electric rifle ended up becoming one of the ways in which the word taser was formed so i i think it's you know mm -hmm. re related to, to tasers and like stun guns that's what you're locking in yeah Yes, yeah, so Jack Cover, the inventor of the original Taser, was inspired to coin that name by the title Tom Swift and His Electric Rifle. So that That's cool. Oh, I see. Electric Rifle. Okay. That, that kind of makes sense now. <laughs> All right, nice get. Thanks. It's just one of those preposterous things that if you, ha like, never would be able to, to get anywhere remotely near there. So mm -hmm. I think it might have been a quick whip, possibly, at some point. Oh, Okay. That does sound like a quick wit. Yeah. All right. Next question. We'll begin with Drew in first position. Liza Snyder, who played the prototypical sitcom wife for six seasons on Yes, Dear, and another four seasons on Man with a Plan, is the granddaughter of a woman named Betty Furness. 
Now, Betty Furness was herself a regular presence on network TV for over a decade, seen in over 450 episodes of the prestigious anthology series Studio One, as well as most episodes of its successor Playhouse series, which was produced and hosted by Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. However, Miss Furness only rarely appeared on those shows as an actress. Rather, she showed up in sponsored segments as the highly compensated pitch woman for what company? that would later become even more involved in the TV industry. So it sounds very familiar. I want to say that, you know, my brain's splitting up into two different portions, and I believe I'm going to go with two companies that I I know both have strong TV industry connections. I think the one I'm going to want to go with is going to be DuPont. That's a a good guess. I think you might be confusing you with the DuMont network. Yeah, yeah. But I see your logic there, but unfortunately not correct. Charlie? Oh, I am just not even not even close on this. I don't watch nearly enough old school TV anymore. I'll take a stab at a guess for a company that I know runs continuous ads on Jeopardy. How about a leave? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure they were around back in the days of studio. You know what? <laughs> But you're following in the footsteps of Alex Jacob, I think. <laughs> right, uh, Oishi? Yeah, I'm so, uh, I don't really have any clue. Pitch woman for a company. And then it became later involved in the TV industry. Even more involved, though. So it could have been involved in TV from the beginning. Uh, let's... How about Disney? All right, so uh, Disney does definitely own a multiple TV network, but one of the major broadcast networks, ABC. In terms of major broadcast networks, though, the one that Lucille bought, well, at first Desi and Lucy, and then Lucy by herself had a long-standing relationship with was a different broadcast network, CBS. Oh. None of you remember which company bought CBS in the 90s? I know they own Viacom now. Is that That's not what you're going for, though. Yeah, the um, parent is Viacom CBS, but in the I mean that that merged with CBS Corporation, which was actually the renamed version of a much older company that started in a different industry and then renamed itself after CBS after it purchased CBS. But back in the fifties, it was known as Westinghouse. Okay, I've heard of Westinghouse. Yeah. What 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 kind of company is Westinghouse though? Like what what is their main product? Well. They've shifted over time. I think originally Westinghouse, well, I think his original mention was like the air brake on railroads, but they moved into all sorts of consumer goods. But in the 50s, they were basically selling things like microwaves, ovens, refrigerators, like kitchen appliances. Gotcha. Okay, makes sense. All right. And now Charlie in first position on this one. Which black American playwright is currently having a moment thanks to the near simultaneous releases of Pixar's Soul, on which he is a co-writer and the credited co-director, and Regina King's film adaptation of his play One Night in Miami? Oh, shoot. I was definitely, I have not seen Soul nor One Night in Miami yet, but I definitely... Soul was very good. Yeah, I definitely would have noticed a different co-director because all of the Pixar movies tend to have the same like three or four directors shoot yeah I just don't have a I definitely have seen this name recently but I'm not going to be able to pull it I'll just I'll go for just a guess of Johnson 
decent guess. That's a good strategy to guess a common last name if you don't know the answer, but uh, unfortunately doesn't pay off this time. Oishi? I am very glad that uh, not only did I watch and enjoy Soul a couple of days ago, I was actually looking a lot more into it because I was not not necessarily for um, this podcast, but I was anticipating that Soul is going to feature heavily in pop culture trivia in in the future. So I was actually looking a little bit more into this, and I'm happy to say that I know it is Kemp Powers. Kemp Powers is correct. All right, and now we'll start with Oishi on the next question. What 2019 Anishka Holland Helm biopic does not feature any black-haired flamenco dancers, but does tell the true story of a heroic Welsh journalist who attempted in vain to inform the West about the Soviet famine of 1932 and 33 and was likely killed for his troubles? Uh, This is not American film, I am guessing. Just based on looking at the spelling of what you have right here. Um, black-haired flamenco dancers. Would I see Welsh journalist killed for his troubles? I have no guess for this. I'm sorry. All right. Okay, I'll take that as a pass then and give it to you. So, um, I am praying that this this man is not named Adam Durwitz. So... I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I'm not familiar with the movie, but black-haired flamenco dancers down at the New Amsterdam are, of course, referring to the classic, and I use classic heavily in quotation marks, Counting Crows song, Mr. Jones. So oh. I, I am praying that this man's name is Mr. Jones. Yeah, so um, I think Oishi <laughs> might be a little young to remember that song's heyday, but uh, that, is in fact, that is in fact what I was referencing. And yes, the, I think it's, I mean, it was a historical figure. I think his name was like Gareth Jones, but... I mean, definitely, Jones is an extremely common Welsh surname, so that's another good reason to guess it. And it is the correct answer. Thanks. Nice. And I believe Drew starts on the next one. Here's a question. The father of the Bronte sisters was born Patrick Brunty, B-R-U-N-T-Y, and it is unclear why he changed the spelling of his family surname. One theory is that he was an admirer of which historical figure, who was created first Duke of Bronte in 1799. This man's ducal seat in Bronte, Sicily, remained in his family until it was sold to the local comune in 1981. Hmm. So yeah, I will probably have to um, confess that Italian nobility is definitely one of my trivial blind spots. But you know, so we're looking for a historical figure active in the Sicilian region back in the 1790s. That being said, I think. No, because um, my, my brain wants to jump that I, I know that Sicily was also France at some point, but I, I don't believe that's what we're so realistically remained in a family until it was sold to the commune in 1981. So I'm just going to go with Napoleon. All right. Interesting guess about the right historical period. So uh, I can see why you went for that. But incorrect. Charlie? Yeah, I did not pick. I did not pick Italian 1700s, 1800s history for my category so i'm in a bit of a similar spot yeah the not having any good guesses really come to mind at all um yeah i'll just i'll just pass i don't no idea and what a just wild guess her name corleo (laughs) (laughs) decent guess but not correct oishi so i at one point, was a pretty big admirer of uh, Bronte novels. I, I read quite a bit about the Bronte family. So I do have kind of a guess, but it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the Italian theme going on here. So I don't really have much of a clue. But I remember hearing something to do with this person influencing, like 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 the, their dad was very, very heavily influenced by this guy. So maybe... 
Horatio Nelson. Your guess was Horatio Nelson? Yeah, but I know it doesn't really fit in with the rest of it. Yeah, so I didn't... It's not really Italian. I didn't realize until you guys started talking that you would interpret for Stuka Bronte as necessarily being Italian. Yeah, I mean, like, the the seat was in what is now present-day Italy, although the family did hold on to the property for a long time so they could remain as dukes. But yeah, this, this was a British nobility title, and 1799, it was granted someone who distinguished himself fighting against Napoleon, Lord Horatio Nelson. It is? Wow. Very Yay. nice. Well done. Uh, that's something I haven't thought about in years. That's cool. All right. So that's what two for Drew and two for Ishii. All right. Next question. We'll start with Charlie in first position. It's a bit of a sports trivia chestnut that what is now considered the first Rose Bowl was won by Michigan in a 49-0 route of my alma mater, Stanford. But the first Rose Bowl game to be a regular event in 1916 saw my current university, WSU, go Cougs, triumph over which Ivy League non-powerhouse? Since 2017, this football program has gone 1-20 and in conference play against its fellow Ivies. Oh boy, this is an interesting one. Um... I definitely know more about Ivy League basketball than I do about Ivy League football because all of their football teams are bad. Um, 1916 also is still relatively early, and even though all of the Ivies were probably playing football, I feel like it's going to be maybe a bigger name. Yeah, I I will just I will guess. Rubbing against your microphone. I don't hear anything. Okay, well, well, anyway, okay, sorry. Uh, could you say that again, Charlie? Yeah, I am going to guess Yale. Yale, all right, good guess. Unlike the other questions, this one had kind of a narrow field to, to guess from, so there's a fairly high base rate probability, even if you don't know it. But that was definitely a good guess, but not the correct answer. So I'll pass to Oishi. Okay, I am famously not a sports person, but I do know some Ivy League, so you are right. I'm just going to take a shot in Ivy League. I will guess Columbia. Again, uh, I guess, um, I, do they have a football? I don't know. I, I went to NYU for grad school, who I believe did not have a football program, although they did in the past. They were the NYU Violets, and uh, oh. one, of, one of their players is actually the model for the Heisman Trophy. But uh, yeah, Columbia, not correct either. So now we're down to one in six shot for Drew. Yeah, you would, you would think that would help. But unfortunately, the second I saw Powerhouse in the question, I was trying to figure out how the mitochondria plays into this <laughs> trivia question. <laughs> so um, uh, realistically, when I think of like Ivy League sports, you know, admittedly, we're talking limited sample size to go off of. I'm down. I think it's, it's probably they're going to be like Dartmouth or Cornell. And I'm just going to go Cornell. All right. All good guesses, but these were the Browns, uh, or sorry, I meant to say these were the Bears of Brown University. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. I mean, you know, if we'd gone a couple more rounds, I'm sure we could have come up with that. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure it would be the last answer selected by any of us. (laughs) <laughs> the, the good news is we'd be more than able to adequately demonstrate our knowledge of the Ivy League. It's just, you know, exactly. not Ivy League sports. <laughs> yeah. Ever there were an oxymoron. Um, <laughs> all right. So for the last cycle of these, I'm going to return to something I tried in the um, the episode with Greg, Joe, and Trevor, where the, the last few questions this round are loosely connected by a running team. Oh, I so, love those. <laughs> Your we'll, theme is sports. <laughs> <laughs> I've changed my mind. 
We'll start with Oishi on this one. Carol Connors sang the oft-covered 1958 U.S. number one hit To Know Him Is To Love Him as lead vocalist of The Teddy Bears, a band formed by what high school classmate of hers? From what I've heard, To Know This Man Is Most Definitely Not To Love Him. Um, this is, uh, not something I know. Who is somebody people don't love? And 1958, um, I don't know. Who do people not love from that era? I don't even have a guess. I'm, I'm, I will pass. I mean, you might as well guess a name here. I'm really trying to discourage people from passing when okay. they're... Um, a name, 1950s. People who, the thing is, like, most of the people I know from that era are people who are, you know, famous because they were quite beloved, kind of. I, I, I don't quite know musicians who were not beloved from that time period, if that makes sense. Um, uh, this is definitely wrong. Paul McCartney. All right. Yeah, I mean, at least it's, you know, someone who was active. In, the, in, that, in that decade, sure. In, in that general time period. Right. Yeah, I think the wording high school might point toward America, because I don't think they really call That's it That's fair. But okay, Drew? So when I think of morally abhorrent people that were active circa 1958, I my brain immediately jumped out. Um, is, is this going to be Phil Spector? It is, in fact, Phil Spector. Yes. I'm, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not sharing the man that you know is a horrific human by every conceivable metric. It's just, yeah, it makes sense <laughs> that, you know, it's it's easy not to love him. It's easy to love his music, but, you know, him as a person is just... Yeah. Yep. Our, cool. our, our separate. All right. That's that your third one, Drew? And then two for yeah, two for Oishi. All right. So the next one start with Drew in first position. So speaking of Carol Connors, she was one of two people credited with the lyrics of the Rocky theme Gonna Fly Now, which most people don't even realize has lyrics. She also co-wrote Hey Little Cobra, a 1963 U.S. number four hit billed to the ripcords and performed largely by future Beach Boy Bruce Johnson, sorry, Bruce Johnston, and what other man? The son of a prominent Hollywood movie star, this man is believed to have been the actual target of the Manson family on the night they killed Sharon Tate and others. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Oh, this this sounds... I, I remember um, recently, well, a year or two ago now, when I'm Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, I went through my, you know, brief Manson Wikipedia diving phase. And I'm trying to think back to that, but unfortunately, I'm son of a prominent Hollywood movie star. Believe it the actual target. It was the guy who was living in the house that was being rented out. And I'm just totally stalling now. So let me think of a. a let's go acting wise. So active in the 50s. No, that that's not going to help either. So I am going to go with hoping that Tab Hunter had a son at some point, and I will say Hunter. All right, good guess, but not correct, Charlie. Yeah, I definitely, after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, I definitely was on a lot of Manson Family Wiki pages. And I definitely read this and remember thinking that it was it was crazy that this was his house, or this was the house he was renting at the time. Oh, I'm not going to remember who it was, though. No, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to pull it. I'll just say Barrymore. All right. Oh, is she? Yeah, similar. I have no idea. Um, I didn't even watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so I'm even worse off than they are. Um, so future Beach Boy. So uh, that that seems to indicate that the person we're looking for is not also a future Beach Boy. So I can rule out the Beach Boys. That leaves like everyone else on the planet. Um, <laughs> Excellent. So, there's been like 12 of them. Son of a prominent Hollywood movie star, though. 
okay. So now I need to think of Hollywood movie stars from like the 40s and then think of their children. This is not a specialty of mine. But let's see. What should I guess? Let's just go with the generic last name. Uh, Grant. All right. Yeah, so this, this was definitely, you know, a very hard question, although there were multiple ways in and the kind of raised profile of the Sharon Tate Manson family in the past few mm-hmm. years made it a little more accessible. But this was he was actually the son of Doris Day from oh. mm-hmm. from before when she was a virgin, as Oscar Levant would say. <laughs> and uh, his name was Terry Melcher. Okay. Yeah, I think that he was in some way related to Manson's music not being recorded or like since Nansen was performing with some of the Beach Boys at the time, I think they wanted... That name definitely rings a bell for, like, they, they wanted to get Melcher or something. Yeah, it's generally okay. speculated It's generally speculated that Manson blamed him for blocking his music career. Yeah, yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, and now the last question of this round, before we go to the perhaps more fun specialist categories, uh, <laughs> we'll start with Charlie in first position. Speaking of Hey Little Cobra, its namesake car model was commissioned by and sold under the name of what famed driver who went on to found the still extant, or still extant until the pandemic, Chili Cook-Off Championship in Terlingua, Texas? You may remember him from a 2019 film. Okay. I don't know this off the top of my head, but there's some good clues here. If only I had spent the pandemic learning about American car racing as opposed to getting really into Formula One. Maybe this would um, I'd have a little bit more actual knowledge here, but I'm really hoping that the 2019 film is Ford versus Ferrari, and I do not believe that it is anybody from Ford. I really hope that this will be Carol Shelby. Is that your guess, then, Dr. Luckingham? Yes, yes, Carol Shelby. So you did have some European experience with Le Mans, or 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1959, which was shown in the opening moments of Ford versus Ferrari, in which he was played by Matt Damon. The correct answer is Carol Shelby. Excellent. Nice. Pretty good yeah. movie. Pretty pretty decent dad movie, honestly. Yeah. And um, <laughs> a- other cool fact, Formula One is the name of his personal chili recipe. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's funny. All right. We have... Okay, so at the end of that round, Oishi 0.2, Drew 0.3, Charlie 0.1. Everyone's on the board, and those points will matter very little in the overall game because there's only a tenth of a point per question. So now we'll move into the not-all-that-hard round, where each question is worth two points as a steal and one point as a specialist. So in this round, all successive rounds, each of you will get three specialist questions related to your categories. Standard caveat, not intended to be a fair or comprehensive test of your knowledge of the category. Nearly directly or obliquely to keep everyone on their toes i won't reveal the categories at least not until they become evident so in this for the rest of the game before you get to answer your specialist questions your opponents can work together to try and steal the points from you you'll only get a chance to answer for points if your opponents miss sometimes especially in later rounds i might try and build suspense by not telling you whether they've gotten it wrong so if i pass the question to you just proceed under the assumption that they got it wrong for game theory reasons you won't be getting any point if you just clone their answer Occasionally, if a, um, someone... What's happening? Sorry, I think I messed with the settings on mine. <laughs> I, 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 I was trying to get a big image of me, and then I saw us all outside violating social distancing norms, and that freaks me out more than anything, so I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> You're a menace. 
I like this view of us, though. (laughs) It looks like we're in some sort of outdoor lecture hall. It's called together mode, apparently. Um, But I'll return to a grid view. Sorry about that. That's hilarious. I had no idea Skype could do that. (laughs) This is is so funny. Yeah, I haven't explored much of uh, Skype's functionality since Zoom came out. I was going to say, Skype wonders why it's losing its market share. But here's Zoom, and here's Together Mode. (laughs) That was great, though. (laughs) Zoom needs to step it up. Where is its Together Mode? Yeah, I can also say 25 previous episodes recorded. That never once happened. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So sometimes if a question is stolen from you, you may get a bonus question, which will be worth half as many points as the steal. It's basically there to let people show off some knowledge in their specialist category and uh, let listeners have a few more questions to enjoy. But these are unsystematically sprinkled in. There's no rhyme or reason to them. So just think of them as kind of random elements of chance that might help you or might not. And the bonus questions will relate to the question. They won't always fit in the same category or be at the same level of difficulty. So as I said before, for these questions in this round, the not all that hard round will be worth two points as a steal, one point as a specialist, and now and for the rest of the game, the points will go to both stealers, even if only one knew the answer. So we'll begin now with Drew and Charlie to steal from Oishi. Is everyone ready? Mm-hmm. All right. One quirk of the South Korean music industry is a special format partway between a single and a full album called a single album. So here's the question. What were the geometrically inspired titles in English of the first two single albums released by Blackpink? Disappointingly, neither of them featured any educational comedy skits or Dragnet parodies. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that unless Drew has become as big of a Blackpink stand during quarantine as I have, I think I've got the answer here. Hmm? No, no, con- continue, because I'll, I'll be able to back it up from the, the TV clue at the end of the question. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I I believe that the first two single albums, both with like an an A side and a B side, were Square One and Square Two, which were then repackaged into like a like four song EP called Square Up. And I'm pretty sure that Square One or Square Two, I can't remember, was the name of like a PBS children's show in like the like it was it was slightly before my time. I was watching from like 98 on. And I'm pretty sure that they had a, I know that they did a Dragnet parody called MathNet. So that totally checks in with that. So I, I definitely think you have those, Chuck. And also, you know, I know you know Blackpink. <laughs> that, that helps. That's, that's all we did last night was we made Hot Pot and we watched Blackpink music videos. So it was a great night. So yeah, I think our, our answer, Yogesh, our answer is going to be square one and square two. I think Oishi might be regretting her choice of one of her categories. I picked these categories before I realized slash discovered that Charlie also is a pretty big Blackpink fan, which I discovered like a couple of days ago, actually, when you put Blackpink in, in the uh, the quiz that you made, Charlie. So um, <laughs> uh, I remember answering that question, thinking to myself, huh, this is not good. This does not bode <laughs> well for Oishi's game. For myself, but yes, I can at least confirm that they are correct, and it is square one and square two. All right, yes. So I'll give you a a bonus, Oishi. What is the name in English of Blackpink's first full-length studio album in the Korean language, released in October 2020? Oh, um, so Lovesick Girls? Full-length studio. Sorry, is that what you're locking in? Um, no, that is not what I'm locking in. Let me think about that for just a second. 
<laughs> before I decide to lock in an answer. So Lovesick Girls is the single, but could it just be called Blackpink in your area? That's that's what I'm considering right now. Um, This is recent Blackpink knowledge, too, so I should know it, but I am now slightly hesitant because of um, this. But um, I'm just going to go with Lovesick Girls. I'm pretty sure that's it. Lovesick Girls. The Blackpink Girls? Or is it? Because, like, the thing is, most people just say it's the album. I think, so I, think like, I, I think I have to well, accept the answer you gave. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, I, that's my answer, Loves It Girls, and it's wrong, so, isn't so it? Blackpink in Your Area was their first full-length album, but it was in Japanese, and it was released a couple of years ago. The one in 2020, and this is why I tell people to always guess, no matter how dumb you think you sound, it's called The Album. It's just the album. The, that's what? the thing is, like, oh, everybody just calls it the album. I don't know why, you know, what else could it be except the title track theme? Oh, it's just called the album. That's that's why. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Cool. I, I am, um, I did not make wise choices, but that's okay. Let's keep going. All right. Oishi and Charlie now to steal from Drew. During the rebellion of 1837 in Upper Canada, a 13-year-old girl with the first name Cornelia gained notoriety for risking her life to gather valuable intelligence, which enabled the corrupt family compact government to defeat the rebels and remain in power. So this act allowed her family, which had its roots in Italy, to ingratiate itself among the upper tier of Canadian society. Today, that family's main legacy is a street in Toronto's Riverdale neighborhood that bears their surname. What is that street called? <laughs> Hold on, I need to read this again just to like understand what's going on. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I don't think that all of the words of the question matter as much as just knowing and loving Drew Sheeler as a person. Okay. Um, I think that this is not a this is not a fact that I've ever heard before, but I do believe that an Italian family name for a street in Toronto might have something to do with one of Drew Sheeler's great passions in life, which is Degrassi. That so makes sense. I believe that I believe the answer that we are looking for is the surname Degrassi. Degrassi. That's what oh, that makes sense. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll lock that in. All right, and very well reasoned there, uh, using your <laughs> lateral and psychological knowledge. Uh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, the, the worst moment is when, when the question was starting to be read. I'm like, oh... Which of my categories has Yogesh really, really misinterpreted as he's fucking writing? <laughs> I was I like, I had no idea that Drew was interested in, like, like Canadian history from the 1800s. I was so proud of you. That, that swerve in the final sentence of the question in which, it, you know, I got to breathe. But yeah, there was definitely a paranoid, like, total panic, panic attack coming on for a moment. So, But I, I believe, without stealing Yogesh's thunder, that you you probably have, have inferred well. <laughs> All right. Now we'll see if we can keep the chain of steals going with Drew and Oishi to steal from Charlie. Based on sentences taken from the blog of a woman named Maya Thompson, whose four-year-old son died of neuroblastoma, what 2012 charity single by Taylor Swift is titled after that boy's first name, not after any members of Boyzone or The Cree? Okay. So that's like the Ronin song, right? Ronin's Ronin's is it called Ronin's oh. song? Ronin's story? That that's so, an excellent point because Ronin the Accuser is definitely a, a Marvel Cree. And um is it is it Ronin Keating that's in Boys Zone? Yeah, no, that yeah, that that's I'm not familiar with the song, but you, you definitely have 
the way that, you know. I just don't remember if it's called Ronan's Song or Ronan's Story. Is the Does he want the, yeah, he wants the title. I, I have not heard either, but. Um, Ronan's uh, Story, I guess. The Ronan's Story. Yeah, Maybe it's just called Ronan. Ronan's song. Ronan's story. Let's just go with the first. first wait, 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 wait. After rereading, it just says titled after that boy's first name. So should we just Let's go just with say Ronan? Ronan? That, that's, okay. that's probably the, the safe option here. All right. So you're locking in Ronan? Locking in Ronan. All right. <laughs> you can see from Charlie's face. This is the first round. Don't overthink things. It's just Ronan. Yeah. Okay. Nice good. job, guys. <laughs> It's a very sad song. <laughs> I think I've heard it a couple of times. I might not be as huge of a Taylor Swift fan as you are, but I can. I I like a good I like a good T Swift moment for sure. All right, so three straight steals, so you're basically tied, give or take a few tenths of a point. And now Drew and Charlie again to steal from Oishi. The 2013 adaptation of A Caribbean Mystery, as part of ITV's Agatha Christie's Marple series, was scripted by noted YA author slash actor and comedian slash former punk rock frontman Charlie Higson, who took many liberties with the original plot, including writing himself a cameo role as what real-life ornithologist? Being familiar with Higson's YA oeuvre will make this question a lot easier. So... Do you have any idea with this, Chuck? Because I think I might have figured out the gimmick with the question. I don't have any, uh, like, real knowledge of this particular adaptation. No, and I'm not familiar with this person. I'm not really... Hayson's name rings a bell, but I can't tell you anything about him. But if we're talking about Caribbean real-life ornithologists, I know that Ian Fleming got the name James Bond from a Books of Jamaica or Birds of Jamaica book. And it was he was a real guy. So I'm guessing that Higson must have written like young James Bond YA novels. And I'm thinking that the name we're looking for is going to be James Bond. That's incredibly interesting. And it would fit with the whole generally English vibe of the of Marple. Not to mention, I mean, if you could have an IMDb credit as James Bond added to your page, whether or not it's the real life person or the fictional character. I mean, not going to lie, if I ever write a script, I'm going to play myself in a cameo, but give myself the name James Bond, just because that would amazing. be, like, really cool. So, I, I but I, I think that that's what we're going for here. I think it's going to be James Bond, if you like that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Lock it in. All right. Uh, yeah, and, and Oishi uh, not holding a great poker face again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at poker faces, but, um, yes, agreed. Although, um... I, I actually knew that more because I'm a big fan of Agatha Christie. I, I've watched that, the 2013 Yeah, it's pretty good. Yes, I can yeah. confirm their thinking, and James Bond is the correct answer, as far as I know. Yes. Yes. And as Drew intuited, uh, Charlie Hickson did write the Young Bond YA series. Yep. All right. Oishi and Charlie now to steal from Drew. Let's see if we can make it five steals in a row. Of the 11 pavilions located in the World Showcase at Disney's Epcot theme park, which is the only one directly sponsored by the government of the nation it represents? Due in part to cooperation from this country's former ruler, the pavilion contains incredibly detailed replicas of the Najarin Fountain, the Kassar of Ait Ben Hadou, the Chela Necropolis, the Bab Boujaloud Gate, and the Minaret from Kutubia Mosque. Mm. Kutubia Mosque. So, have you been to Epcot? Now would be a good time to mention that I've never been to any Disney properties. Um, okay. So, um, <laughs> so I... Oh, boy. 
I, I can't. I mean, I, I, I can. I can infer some things about the the um, real life objects. Yeah. Things here. That that's kind of how I'm going. I'm a big Disney fan, but I've never been to Disney Epcot. I've only been to Magic Kingdom in Disney World. However, I am Muslim, so I know of mosques and Kutubia Mosque. I am like fairly sure is in Marrakesh. Like I've heard of it there. So my guess would be Morocco here. Um, yeah. I Does mean, Morocco that's... sound like a pavilion at Epcot? No, I'm actually not completely familiar with which one. I think they have a China, but I'm not sure of the other countries there. I, again, have no Disney knowledge whatsoever. Drew probably knew this when he was picking his categories. But I, I, mean, I think the the Bob Bujalud gate maybe could be something related to Baha'i. Okay. I don't know. Like, I think I'm pretty sure the Bob is the the main central figure in Baha'i, but I don't I don't remember where, other than Evanston, Illinois, the other worldwide Baha'i temples are. Um, yeah. Okay. If if Katubia if Katubia sounds familiar to you as being Marrakesh in Morocco, that I think that's more than enough to go on for an answer. Uh, are you comfortable going with that over Baha'i? Because I don't know anything about Baha'i. I don't know anything about Bab Bujalud. No. So. I, I have, I have no idea. I think Why Morocco, is Drew shaking his head? <laughs> I think Mor- I think Morocco is going to be our best guess. All right, let's let's do Morocco. Yeah. All right, you're locking in Morocco. We're yeah. locking so, in Morocco. So I know there is a Baha'i house of worship in the suburb of Chicago. I thought it, it's in one of the other places that we used to play in. in oh, Boston. it's it's not it's not in Evanston. It's in, in Wilmette. Wilmette. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just just north of Evanston, but we always used to run there from from campus so. yeah that's the only thing i know about women other than that we in high school we played them in class well we played a school from there in scholastic bowl i don't think it was called Wilmet. maybe loyola nutrier i thought nutrier was in winnetka i can never keep all the w's straight if we're being <laughs> honest <laughs> there are too many of them they're all very close to each other we definitely How long have you lived in chicago i've been in i started school here in 2011 so almost 10 years now cool yeah, we definitely played Nutrier quite a bit. They were kind of our, our rivals. But um, uh, yeah, sorry, none of that's relevant to the question at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Morocco is what you locked in, right? Yes. yes. And Morocco is the correct answer. Yay! Good job. Right, Paul. Nice job. So I will give Drew a bonus that is extremely not Disney-related at all. Okay. A less fun part of the legacy of King Hassan II of Morocco is the period of violent political repression beginning when he took the throne in the 1960s and known in English by what name? Um, yeah, I think Yogesh was very correct in assuming that my knowledge of Moroccan history is is a little minimal, but it always pays to do a guess, and I could call it something really generic like the Troubles, because I'm sure that there's about 50 events known by that term. Yeah, well, let's call it the Troubles. All right. I mean, yeah, going with the generic name is right. I think there's a, a similar period in Italy's history, but in Morocco, it was called Years of Lead. Interesting. Yeah. I think I've heard of that. Man. Bleak. All right. Very poetic. I like it better than Troubles. More specific, you know? True, true. All right. I think with all the, the pop culture knowledge here, this one may not be all that challenging for Giordano Ishii to steal from Charlie, but let's find out. 2017's A Fantastic Woman earned the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar for what country? This country's only previous nomination in that category was for Pablo Varain's No, a historical drama about the role of promotional marketing in the 1988 plebiscite that led to the ouster of this country's dictator. I think I have a guess. Wait, we're stealing, right? Or we're trying to steal? Yeah, yeah, we're trying to steal, yes. Okay, good. Just making sure. So I think this is Chile. 
And I am not confident, though, but I feel like this... I was looking through these, actually, a while ago, Foreign Language Film Oscars. I didn't remember the title, but I feel like 2017 looked like Chile. My my thought is Chile, anyway, well, but I don't know. When I'm trying to figure this out, my brain immediately jumps to the years of lead, which, if in case you didn't know, is part of King Hassan II in Morocco, his... I don't think that's relevant, but no, I, I, I like Chile. It would make sense, you know, 1988, like Allende, the outstanding, I get all of the, the South American mm-hmm. uh, dictators and political dynasties and all of, you know, those changes, they, they all blur together in my brain. So I have trouble picking out individually, but I also think it would make sense for, for Chile because I know that they have a strong film scene, but not one of, you know, the hyper dominant, like, you know, how there, there's a ton of like French and Japanese movies that consistently get nominated mm-hmm. and, and take the prize. So I, I definitely think that Chile would make a lot of sense as, you know, a country with a strong film history that has yeah. only been nominated a couple of times. And, and I, I definitely think that, you know, some mm-hmm. movie about a Chilean. Who, this, sorry. No, no, I, 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 I re- really like that answer. I, I think that's that's really strong. Because the way I'm thinking is, sorry, last year was Paris. 2019 is Parasite, right? The year before was Roma. So I guess I, I think the year before was, was something from Chile. I don't think it was as prominent of a film, though. I, so, I really like that answer. Okay. Sorry, I don't know why I was going through the previous list, but in my brain that made sense. No, anything that, you know, primes to get toward the correct answer is, is useful, so. No, I, I definitely like going with Chile, if you think that that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like in Chile? Oh, yes. Please. That's the only recent South American one I can think of that's like, you know, best foreign language film. I think most are European or something. So you're, like, you're locking in Chile then? We're locking in Chile, sorry, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yes. You can see the thumb coming up from Charlie over there. It was when they began the process of getting rid of Pinochet. Cool. Uh, all right. That's six straight steals. Maybe I should have made this easy round slightly harder, but <laughs> no, it's 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 fun to steal from your friends. It's very much fun, yes. Nice, nice, yeah, nice, nice reasoning out of all of that. A Fantastic Woman is actually pretty good. Um, yeah. The star of the movie, I, I believe her name is Daniela Vega. She was the first openly trans presenter at the Oscars. Nice. Oh, nice. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah that's that ceremony. Yeah. And for the people listening along at home that don't know us personally, Chuck and Oishi and I know each other very well. And <laughs> I, I may or may not have, have messaged Chuck two or three times this week with, it's so impressive that I didn't choose, I didn't go to Grassy, I didn't go Disney. So like, you know, I've, I've been playing some mind <laughs> games and I think, you know, yeah, we, we, but, you know, T-Swift, and th- there's going to be a lot of interest overlaps on this episode. So I, I think we're all really excited to hear the upcoming yeah. questions. Yeah, there's one consequence of, of getting people on who know each other well outside of the game is that, yes, deals are more likely to happen. Certainly. <laughs> more fun, more points, high scoring mm-hmm. affair. That is true. Yes. Good. Yes. All right. And good balance. And we certainly had very good balance with all six questions so far being stolen. So now Drew and Charlie to steal from Oishi. Let's see if the streak continues. Before being allowed to helm 2017's Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, the Norwegian filmmaking duo of Espen Sandberg and Joachim Roning, I probably mispronounced that, made their reputation with what acclaimed 2012 adventure film? Its title is probably the only archaic alternative name for an Incan god that you've heard before. So... An acclaimed 2012 adventure film, alternative name for an Incan god. 
I wish you looked very, you know, excited at our inability yeah. to parse No, I am not excited. Well, well, I'm not excited. This definitely has that, that look. No, of because life. after this, I want you guys to guess what in this my category was. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to parse that out too because I'm hoping it would help with in in some way. Yeah, yeah, trying to trying to get to the answer. So but we're t- we're talking adventure film circuit 2012. Yeah, we're looking probably a one word title that is an alternate name for an Incan god. Well, that's what the question is asking for, of course. So that's probably where I've written. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is, I don't think this is going to surprise you, Chuck, but my knowledge of alternate names for Incan gods is very minimal. Yeah. How many can you name? I, I think I can only name like 12 or 13. And this might uh, be, you know, like... Yeah, eight, eight or nine, eight or nine. You got me beat on that. Um, <laughs> I think, well, so I have I have exactly one thought in my otherwise empty brain. I'm trying to think back to like 2012 was when I first started really like going to the movies all the time and like making the stuff that I wanted to see. And if I recall correctly, this might not even, this might sound dumb, but it's all I have. I think that that was the year maybe that Kontiki came out, which I believe is like a Nordic Scandinavian movie, like from, from like that film scene. Um, I didn't end up seeing it, which is great. But if Kontiki sounds like it could be an alternative name for an Incan god, I can't even think right now of like what okay, okay. god name you, sounds you like. Are, you're a brilliant, Chuck. For those of you at home that can't see me doing the Macaulay Culkin Home Alone face <laughs> during that entire mini soliloquy monologue thing, you're absolutely correct. Kontiki is an alternate name. And I'm betting now that Oishi's category was Thor and <laughs> Yogesh was having a lot of fun with the idea of Thor. Because of oh, Thor Heyerdahl. Thor I'm Heyerdahl. Totally, I'm totally no. guessing that that is what he did. But Kontiki is absolutely 100% an alternate name. It is, you know, the Scandinavian famous anthropologist, both sails across the ocean. Adventure film, there is definitely one. You have totally nailed that. That is absolutely what Yogesh is going for here. Amazing. Yeah, so we'll, you guys are... Yeah, we'll, we'll lock in Kontiki. <laughs> Yeah, so the, um, I mean, the, the clues are all there, right? Norwegian adventure film, name for an alternative name for an Incan god. You know, you don't even... Can really I just, sorry, can I interrupt with one quick thing? So, I'd like to say my, my category was not Thor. But while you were, while you guys were going through, oh, you know, I can only name, you know, eight or ten Incan gods in my head. I was like, I can only name one. And that actually led me to actual real knowledge, guys, real knowledge. So I, back when I used to play Quiz Bowl, back in my uh, high school days, I was a lit person. And I was not good at nonfiction, but I did know that Kontiki is actually an alternate name for the Incan god Viracocha. That is a that is a A1 trivia fact. So I had no clue what this was talking about until you led me to Incan God. So thank you and for, for reminding me of that. So I was really excited. I was like, oh my God, they won't be able to steal. And then somehow, damn you, Charlie, and your Norwegian film knowledge. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was good. That was that was a that was a big up and down roller coaster for me. I don't know if you guys could see it on my non-poker face, but I was like, what the heck is going on? Oh, my God, I got it. Oh, he got it, too. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think I may. I think I'll probably just turn my chair around entirely during deliberations to avoid leaking any information. <laughs> um. 
But the streak continues now, Oishi and Charlie to steal from Drew. So here's your question. What is the exact male name that can be found within the speech bubble in multiple works by Roy Lichtenstein, including Drowning Girl and Masterpiece? And here's your non-art history related hint. Actress Midori Francis is probably best known for saying this name several times in a commercial for Liberty Mutual. Liberty Mutual. Oh, no. I've seen these pieces before. Yeah, I went to a Houston art thing a while back. Yeah, they they had one right when I moved to Chicago at the Art Institute. And as I mentioned earlier, was 10 years ago. (laughs) Uh, They want a name. It's... I mean, it's like a generic white generic dude. white guy name, right? And yeah, it's like like Mark or Steve or John no. or something. No, no, it's not those. It's not those. That doesn't help. The Royal Liechtenstein is what's going to help me here. Um, a drowning girl. I don't know. I don't know. This is not called drowning girl, but there is this one where like it's just a picture of this girl, and she's like, like I know how you feel blank like there's a in my brain there's like a blank right there like it's like i know some name bill um bob could be bill bill seems reasonable uh, i know bill hmm. it's my first instinct but it doesn't seem quite right it's one syllable though yeah that definitely brad seems- brad seems right brad i would go with brad Brad, Brad, Brad is, 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 oh, I saw Drew's face. Okay, I feel like Brad's right. <laughs> do, do we, do we want to lock in Brad? I, I think so. Okay. I think Brad's right. Let's do it. Yeah, Brad. Is that right, Drew? No, it isn't. It's actually Bill. Damn it. Like, I, that, 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 no. that was my look of like, oh, they were so close. But they, no, it is Brad. Wait, really? Oh, Wait, you're it, it totally is. Yeah. My brain is going up and down right now. My, my, I don't Are care. we crashed? I don't Did care. I'd, I'd rather sink than call Brad for help. Oh, like, that's what Granny Girl is. is. Okay. And and I mean, in your defense, Brad is very much the Karen of white men names. So, that's fair. You know. No offense to Brad's out there. I'm sure you are the exception. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bradley Cooper is crying into his sleeve now. <laughs> so let's see if we can break this tie by your what will almost certainly be a tie by giving a bonus to Drew. <laughs> So, Masterpiece, the most expensive Roy Lichtenstein painting, was sold in 2017 for $165 million. To which hedge fund manager and current majority owner of the New York Mets? This man's billion-dollar art collection also notably contains Jeff Koons' Rabbit, Picasso's La Reve, and Damien Hirst's The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. Yeah, so um, I'm very fortunate in that I realized about so when I picked my three categories, I realized it was all of my interests sophomore year of college, which is also coincidentally about 10 years ago when I saw the retrospective at the Art Institute. And I was like, wait, I don't think I've actually like looked at this recently. So I did, in fact, search and I pre-called, I think his name is Cohen, Ooh. Steve Cohen. That's your answer? It is my answer, yeah. And yes, that is correct. <laughs> I can see this is going to be a high-scoring game. <laughs> and I'm also, to, to, of course, push this podcast into blue territory, apparently his company was named after his initials, so it was like Sack something. And, you know, I just thought that that was funny. So it made it a lot easier to recall just now. All right, whatever helps. And now let's see if we can do 
I think this will be a, a first-time accomplishment if we have nine out of nine steals in the first round. So let's see if that's going to happen. All right, the short-lived Amazon children's series The Kicks, which starred a young actress with the improbable name Six Orange, was based <laughs> was based on a series of books by which longtime veteran of the U.S. women's national soccer team? Oh. <laughs> Oh, she! I think we're gonna break the streak right series now. Series of books. Series of books. I mean, I like books. Everything about this question is improbable. The name uh, Six Orange, an Amazon children's series that was short-lived because all Amazon series play for at least forty-eight seasons. The fact that there is a U.S. women's national soccer team that's paid equally to the men. Um, <laughs> oh. like, there's just so much surprise at this question. No, um, I. Like longtime veteran, I'm. I can name like four or five that I have no way to differentiate between. I'm not sure about your personal soccer knowledge, but um. Megan like, Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, uh, I'm good. Mia Hamm possibly, and um Chastain, but that's a long. Oh, she doesn't seem like she'd be a writer. Oh, she wrote that book though. Cool. Wait, all of these people write books because you know, no, this this is not going to help. Um. So I'm guessing it's probably one of the more recent, possibly still active people, because that just would make sense, you know, like get the bonus publicity for having a contemporary player involved. Uh, but as I said, I'm so grasping at straws here. I think um, who, who are the other like super big modern ones just for future rounds as well when we get faced with the same impossible decision? Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, that's all I know. Yeah, um, Carly Lloyd, maybe she's one. I think, or I might be inventing her name up, but probably not. You know, I like Rapinoe if you like Rapinoe. I don't like Rapinoe. Okay. She doesn't um, sound like a children's author. I, I'd rather go Alex Morgan if we're choosing okay. between people. I, I'm good like, with that. Uh, six Orange. You want to take a? You want to take a stab? I mean, what does I, Six I, Orange have to do with anything? Though? I, I think your guest just realized that somebody was named after a failed Motley Crue spinoff band circa 1998. <laughs> And they put it in. The like, six orange lead us towards one no, one soccer player above another. In, 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 <laughs> unless you know the, the the women on the U.S. women's national soccer team have named their children with preposterous, terrible names. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that the young the young person. I, I can't even guess. So no, there no, there no, is. Uh, yeah. No. 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 I'm I'm just saying. You know. Actors. So the the young Miss Orange has a fantastic name. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure your show is fine. It's it's adequate. I think the kicks like it's like a young adult like soccer novel thing, right? Like yeah. who who would write that though? Young adult. I I read I read slash read a lot of young adult novels. I don't I I have no clue. I'd I'd guess I'd guess Alex Morgan. I like Alex Morgan. I think let's, we could, let's go Alex Morgan. This is probably the one that I have like the least certainty of of all the questions yes, I've heard so sir. far. I, I, I agree in that it's going to be the first one missed, but I think Alex Morgan is a noble guess, and we should go with that. Just watch it be Megan Rapinoe. I'm sorry, Megan Rapinoe. I didn't know you wrote books. So what are you locking in? Alex Morgan. All right. Yeah, I believe Carly Lloyd is Taylor Swift's supermodel friend. Wait, no. <laughs> L oh, L it's Carly Lloyd. No, Car Carly. Carly, Carly Kloss. Sorry, no. I was trying to do with the uh, mansplaining expert who doesn't actually know what he's talking about. Character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is, that, is that correct, Charlie? Is it I, 
truly, truly cannot believe that you guys just did that. That's amazing. <laughs> Wait, it's correct? Yeah. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's correct. I haven't read them, but she's the only one I think who's written. I didn't know that there was a series of it with that improbable, improbably named actress. But if, if it I'm makes sure you feel better, one. most of the people on Amazon Prime probably don't know there's a series named The Kicks either. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm pretty I, I sure. Watch Prime. I've never, never yeah. come across it. I'm, I'm pretty sure Alex Morgan is the only one who's written books for children. So, yeah, it, it well, came out at the same time as the far superior Gordimer Gibbons Life on Normal Street. But uh, yes, uh, Alex Morgan is the correct answer. So we end that round with maybe our highest scores ever: 12, 12.2 for Oishi, 13.3 Drew, 12.1 Charlie. Nice. All right, definitely should have made all of those much harder. <laughs> they all required a lot of thought and a lot of collaboration. No, the, so the, think... the difficulty was great. It's just, you know, a combination of our incestuous mutual interests. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now the points will go up. Now the only somewhat hard round, the points go up to four points for a steal, three for a specialist, so anything can happen now. But this is often where people open up big leads, although who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Drew and Charlie, first to steal from Wishi. Fans of arithmetic progression will be happy to know that what was the title of Karen McManus's 2019 follow-up to her best-selling YA mystery novel, One of Us is Lying. Although this five-word phrase derives from a proverb that appeared in Poor Richard's Almanac in 1735, its recent popularity can probably be traced to the theme song of Pretty Little Liars. Oh, it isn't a Yogesh quiz without some PLL con. Um, okay. You, you, you wait till you hear the the Arnold Bachlin question I, I wrote with the Pretty Little Liars tie-in. Okay, so I, about 10 years ago, was pretty into Pretty Little Liars. I'm trying to remember the theme song, which I am historically bad at remembering theme songs. I believe that based on, if, if the, the first book is One of Us is Lying, I think that the theme song of Pretty Little Liars has something to do with, like, two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. So I think that if it's the second book in the series, it might be Two Can Keep a Secret. Oh, I very much like that. So, yeah, because, okay, so it fits the arithmetic progression clue in that, you know, we're going from one to two. And the the Poor Richard's Almanac proverb, all the ones I'm thinking about relate to, like, money and stuff that they're not right. I, I really like that answer. I think that we should definitely go with that, Chuck. The, the more that I'm thinking about it in my head, too, I'm pretty sure that that's the song. Like, yeah, because because they're they're all like coffins and like death. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I think two two can keep a secret, I think, is probably the best guess yeah. that we'll have. And I don't, I don't want to give anything away to Yogesh, but I will say that I, I, I don't think he knows this. My, my entire PLL knowledge comes from my encyclopedic knowledge of Ravenswood, the quick spinoff of it. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, our complementary knowledge is of the entire PLL extended universe. And by that, I mean the fact that you totally know this answer. It has to be correct. That, that's too good for it not to be true. So That's pretty good. I, I'll, I'm going to be really happy if this is right. Yeah, we'll lock in to Can Keep a Secret. Is that correct, Oishi? Um, yeah, I actually, when I gave my uh, topics, I looked at the first topic I gave you and I was like, okay, she's going to put in a Pretty Little Liars question. This is this topic seems rife for Pretty Little Liars references. And yeah, that's a pretty good clue. I read the first book, didn't read the next one. But yeah, the second one is called Two Can Keep a Secret. I'm disappointed you didn't sing the answer, though. <laughs> oh, I don't do that. <laughs> I was and really hoping 
hoping, like, I was really hoping you would go with, like, the Pretty Little Liars theme, but you'd say, like, one of us is dead. Like, I, that, that's what I was really, I was hoping you, and then I was like, ah, damn, fans of arithmetic progression. Yeah, that, yeah, that would do that it. That helps, yeah. That helps. That's good. Yeah, so um, I'll give you a, a bonus, which is more or less a question that I cut from my Pretty Little Liars 1DS a few years ago. Consisting of Birmingham, Alabama-born sisters Allison and Catherine, what is the name of the band that performs Pretty Little Liars theme song? Which is called Secret. That may or may not help. Allison and Catherine. They're not actually twins, though, which would make, which is a reference that would make sense if people knew the plot of the Pretty Flowers books, which no one does. Mm. <laughs> which no one who's going to hear this will. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know who sang the theme song of Pretty Little Liars. No, I have no idea. Allison and Catherine. What's uh, the last name? The Smiths. It's not the Smiths. Yeah, no, it's definitely not the same type of pattern. They're called the Pierces. Okay. Probably their best song is called You'll Be Mine, although Secret is much more famous. Okay, Oishi and Charlie now to steal from Drew. Roy Lichtenstein's beloved Ben Day dots were invented by and named for Benjamin Day Jr., whose father, Benjamin Day Sr., was the founding editor of what now-defunct New York City newspaper. Before shuttering in 1950, this paper printed W.C. Hines' Death of a Racehorse, considered one of the greatest pieces of sports journalism ever written, as well as Rube Goldberg's Pulitzer-winning cartoon Peace Today, and Francis Farcellus Church's immortal Yes, Virginia, There is a Santa Claus editorial. Bit of a seasonal tie-in. All right, let's see if reading this actually helps in any way. NYC newspaper. Yes, sir. Any, any thoughts, Chuck? I honestly, like, I... I feel like I should know what newspaper Yes, Virginia was in, but I, yeah, I, I really, I really don't know. Peace today, um, defunct New York newspaper. How, what, what era are we talking? Like when, when, oh, sh- shuttered in 1950. So it can't yeah. be, can't be the New York Sun. Didn't that like go down in 2000, like seven or eight or something? I have no idea. I have zero newspaper knowledge. <laughs> Uh, me either. I, I did journalism in high school, and that was my my interest in it. Um, the Globe, the World, the New York World, New York. Okay, no I'm idea. I'm down with New York Globe, New York World. Um, yeah, let's let's go for the New New York Globe. Why, why not? You're locking in New York Globe. Sure. Yeah. All right. Sure. We'll keep quiet and pass that to Drew. He's keeping quiet because I think you're no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can't lead you on. Um but I will just say that I similarly feel at a little bit of a loss here. I think I don't know I know one name that I think is plausible because it's in a couple song lyrics and such. I'm gonna go with the New York Herald. But I, I once again I'm just I'm just like tossing I have blindfolded myself, audience at home. I am tossing darts at the dartboard. I think my ring light just exploded because I missed terribly so. But we attempted, and that, that's the important thing. But yeah, I want to go with the New York Herald, please. Right. Were you thinking of Gene Seberg yelling out New York Herald, New York Herald Tribune in Breathless? Yeah, the, the Herald and Tribune were also defunct, New York City newspaper, but this one was called The Sun. Just, oh, I thought, so that's different from the New York Sun, the one that like went down a couple, like a decade ago? Yeah, that was revived by Conrad Black using the name and probably a similar masthead to the older Sun, but it was a separate publication. All right, so uh, yes, the streak is now broken after 10 straight steals. They now have a 
a zero on this. And uh, I'll just tell the, the bonus, if you needed, would have been about the name of the investigative journalist who's won a Pulitzer for his series of articles in the Sun that was adapted into the film On the Waterfront. And the only reason I was asking that was because I wanted to see if you would take a wild guess on his actual surname, which is Johnson. Oh, I always do Lucky Joneses. So that would have been especially embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We dodged that. And all right. Now the, the pressure is off. The streak is over. And now we go to Drew Enoishi to steal from Charlie. What groundbreaking 2013 lesbian-themed drama film stars Robin Weigert as a New York City woman in a seemingly happy same-sex marriage who, after emerging from a medical scare caused by a freak accident, begins pursuing anonymous sexual encounters with a wide variety of women. I am not aware of what Dr. Bennett Omalu thinks of this movie. Dr. Bennett Omalu? I have no, <laughs> no idea who that man is. I'm a presuming man, I shouldn't, but okay. 2013 lesbian-themed drama. First of all, not Carol. Just throwing <laughs> it out there. Not blue is the warmest color. No. Well, not those two. Like, um, freak accident, like, struck by lightning, attacked by shark, Bus crash surviving. Hmm. Pursuing um, Doctor Bennett Omalu. That that's hold on. Let me let me think about Bennett Omalu for a second. Um, I have no idea. No. It sounds really familiar, but what is? He's like like a trauma, like a head injury person. So something to do with like a head injury. Um, aneurysm. Oh. I actually think I've heard um, a, a movie titled Aneurysm before, but I can't tell you anything other than I think I've seen that title someplace. And I have some friends that are really into, like, art house films. One of them is Chuck. So maybe Chuck, <laughs> has, Chuck has quite possibly brought this up at some point as, like, a movie title. I really like the idea of aneurysm. Aneurysm? It, it makes sense because, like, freak accident combined with, you know, like, anonymous sexual encounters, if, you know, you've had, like, brain chemistry alterations from an aneurysm, I, I think... That and as I mentioned, it's, it's a really good name for a movie if it isn't already. But yeah, I, I really like that. I think we should go with that. Let's do that. Sure. Aneurysm. Locking in aneurysm? Yep. All right. Chuck, is that correct? Y'all are so close. Uh. So close. If I recall correctly, Dr. Bennett O'Malley was the first person to draw attention to head trauma, head trauma within the NFL, specifically. That's it. Um, yes. And so this is... Not a later movie starring Will Smith called Concussion. This is an earlier gay-themed movie called Concussion. Nice. Good to know. That is all, all correct. Right. Yes. <laughs> we have our first answer given not as a steal. Finally, someone gets an odd number of points. <laughs> okay, so that's... All right, so now Drew and Charlie to steal from Oishi. Although... Odysseus's voyage home to Ithaca following the Trojan War is often thought to be 10 years of perilous travel and constant jeopardy. It was actually only three years of perilous travel and constant jeopardy, and seven years of being pampered on the island of Ogygia, O-G-Y-G-I-A, by what nymph? Um, I had to read the Odyssey in high school. Same. All right, I'm going to read the text real quick. I'm, I'm, I think I might have because my brain immediately jumped to Circe, who's the evil sorceress. But I think the nymph is Calypso. Yeah, that was, was that, that was kind of where my I had I had gotten to Circe when you started talking, and that's yeah. Or I no, no, that, it, it's not. Does that ring a bell? It's does that ring a steel drum? <laughs> oh man, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, because Cersei is definitely like the sorceress who turned his men into pigs, maybe? Question yeah, mark? No, totally. Absolutely. Um, Calypso does sound yeah. I, I would I would go for that. Go for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I very much like this question. Although it looks it looks like that Yogesh only found a way to work in one wine dark sea into the question, the, the first letter in constant. So um yeah, I I think Calypso is we should go with you think that? Sounds good. All right, Calypso. Alright, yes, there were there was more to that question originally, but you guys have been doing so well so no need to give extra hints. Alright, we'll just go to the next question. Alicia and Charlie to steal from Drew. The opening track of Arcade Fire's 2007 album Neon Bible, Black Mirror, inspired the title of the TV series of that name, while its closing track, notably covered on Peter Gabriel's album Scratch My Back, gave its name to what two-part Degrassi episode that won a 2010 Peabody Award? The Peabody citation reads in part, Adam slash Gracie, beautifully portrayed by Jordan Todosi, is a female-to-male transgendered teen. The implications of this reality are explored without sensationalism, Adam's struggle within his own family, his embarrassment by bullies, his revelations to understanding friends. These situations create explanations for young viewers who can become more fully aware of multiple realities around them. This is okay. going to be embarrassing when I miss this. Um, oh, no. Multiple realities around them. Hmm. 2010 Peabody Award. I, I genuinely have no guess what... I have no guess either. Oh, this is so irritating. Something to do with transgender. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna be something like sappy and like a sentimental title of it. Like it's the af- after school special type name. Ugh. Yeah. And I haven't listened to Neon Bible in recently. I've only been listening to the Suburbs really recently. I don't really listen to much Arcade Fire myself. Um, what kind of songs do they have? What Arcade Fire song can you name? I can only name songs from the suburbs, honestly. <laughs> well, that does not uh, help. Re- re- ready to Start, uh, Sprawl to the Suburbs. <laughs> um, we can just say Ready to Start. I know it's from the suburbs, but it's... It sounds sounds like a good Degrassi <laughs> episode title. Sounds like a great after-school special title. Let's go with it. Oh, I can't keep looking at Drew's face. Yeah, let's let's just <laughs> sorry. Just cover let's, Drew up on my screen. Let's just let's go. Let's just go with ready to start. Get this over with. That's for locking in. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. No. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, that one hurt. <laughs> the, the the thing that panicked me when he started at the start, like a song. Every Degrassi episode is named after a song. So. Therefore, I believe the one that they're going for, and it's not that happy. It's a, my body is a cage. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's my answer. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Okay. When uh, someone pointed out to me a, a YouTube video, which I think is still on there, that edits clips from Once Upon a Time in the West to that song, which is actually very well done, but uh, that's not relevant to the answer. The correct answer is my body is a cage. That is mm-hmm. exactly as maudlin of a title for that episode that I could possibly imagine. Wow. I, if I also remember correctly, it's the episode that has a guest star appearance from, I think he's the judge on like Canadian Dancing with the Stars, playing a <laughs> playing a dance teacher for no reason. But I, as I said, I have not done the full read, but I've seen the episode a couple of times. It's very solid. But speaking of the stuff, so Charlie, would you have gotten the question I asked last time about what city the suburbs is based on the suburbs of? 
Uh, no, no, I would not have. Yeah, it's it's a good question for uh, getting people to go for the wrong answer because everyone associates Arcade Fire with Canada, but Wynn and Will Butler actually both grew up in the suburbs of Houston, Texas. Oh. Yeah, that's a that's a strange one for sure. They are pretty uh, distinctly Canadian, at least in the popular mythos. So right, that's why I enjoy that question. All right, and um, another subsidiary question, not for any point, but uh, none of you know who wrote the novel, the Neon Bible. Is it um, is it the the the, the, the Burroughs? It was, it was actually it was the first novel written, but the second posthumously published novel of John Kennedy Toole. Oh who, yes, it wow, veterans you've done this, dude. Yes, it committed suicide in 1980. Uh, Confederacy of Dunces was finally published in 1980, and Neon Bible, although written earlier, was not published until 1989, two decades after his death. Yeah. All right, Drew uh, Anuishi now to steal from Charlie. Driving a pickup truck into a retirement home, which injured a 92-year-old woman who was lying in her bed, and then fleeing the scene and lying about the incident, is somehow one of the least disturbing things done by what uh, antisocial former NFL tight end and member of the University of Washington squad that won the 2001 Rose Bowl. The section of this man's Wikipedia article labeled Criminal Allegations contains 12 paragraphs and is subdivided into violent crime, traffic violations, and other issues. Um, the traffic violations is, is not stuff like running a red light once. More serious than that. Whoa. Um, so, Oishi, I have absolutely no clue with this i don't think i think we i mean i'm not sure about your personal knowledge with this specific specifically but i don't think any amount of time will get us to the correct answer on this one there's no uh, chance for me the, the, the only thing i think we can really play off of is other issues which makes me think that he's been involved with some like bizarre like but then again if it was too bizarre it would be its own like subsection so i just um i former nfl tight end and uh i i'm pretty sure that Joel McHale from the Soup was on that team because I know he was a Washington. Joel but, but really? he, he he obviously is not the NFL tight end that did, that did all of this. <laughs> I, I'm not you know besmirching his. I mean he did enough to his, his reputation when he started hosting Card Sharps. So yeah, but what what I'm trying to say is I I don't have anything. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that Joel McHale was on the Washington football team that got the not not the Washington football team. The University of Washington football team that um that got the the a Rose Bowl ring at some point. I well, what's a very common name? So we we've already heard that there was a question with Johnson being the answer. So I'm guessing that he wouldn't try to double dip Johnson on the same quiz. Now we're really going meta. Um, I think that there's been like 80 NFL players with the last name Sanders. That's a possibility. Right now, I'm just I'm just genuinely let's spitball some other um. Johnson is still always a good guess if you're not sure. Probably not Madden. Probably Taylor. not, you know, Gronkowski. Probably not more than one of those, you know, every decade in the NFL. Um, mm -hmm. Not Manning. There, no, you know, I don't think it's Manning. That sounds too notable. No, so I, I'm thinking the answer to probably go with, I think, Sanders. Just Sanders? I have nothing better. Unless That's you can think of something better. No, that sounds great. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, it's actually hold, hold Brad on Gronkowski. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Pass it to Charlie. Yeah, he's got a long wiki page that doesn't have a whole lot of football on it. This will be the infamous Jeremy Stevens. 
Yeah. Uh, someone who I read his Wikipedia and I'm like, why is this person still allowed, allowed to walk around? Like, he just seems like a walking committer of offenses. A, a driving committer of offenses, usually. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that, okay. yeah. Do you know what the other issues are? Just curious. Um, well, he drove a U.S. Women's National Team van drunk. He, him and his wife assaulted each other the night before their wedding. Various other things. The other issues, I think, are uh, marijuana, possession, and noise complaints. Uh, oh, noise com- Yep. Yep. That, that, that okay. Yep. I see why that would go under other issues. So three points for Charlie on that. And for Drew and Charlie to steal from Oishi, in South Korea... Blackpink serve as brand ambassadors for what line of hair care products whose French-sounding name should be very familiar to you if you've ever taken a film studies class? Ooh, film studies. I haven't, but I'm a big fan of film studies. Um, what, what are you thinking, Chuck? I'm thinking I don't know this off the top of my head. French and film studies leads me to believe that it's either French name, like the name of a French filmmaker or similar to it, or the name of like a French like technique or like some type of shot or some type of something related to that. I, I should probably clarify. How are you with hair care products? Because I'm nah. guessing that that is going to be the the thing we have an issue with here. My brain jumped out at Matt, like M A T T E. I mean, that is that a type means, of hair care product, but I don't think that that's like the name. Yeah, I don't know. But the, I I think since it's a specific line too. Yeah, my, my immediate first thought, and again, only thought in an otherwise empty head, is something like Melier, Melier's. Oh. Um, if we're doing, if we're talking film studies, and we think that it's it's either going to be like early French cinema, like invention of cinema, yeah. or like new wave, unless it's going to be like Truffaut or Godard or something something later on. If it's Andres really Varda hair dryers, <laughs> I just Varda hair. Yeah, I wish. Um, but Melier seems like a a nice sounding word name. Le Wap, Le Coups, Playtime. I I think going at films is probably the wrong way. I, I like I like Melier. I think that sounds solid. It's 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 plausible at least. Because like Lisa has I'm trying to remember that one O'Brien's around also, because Rosie is a YSL ambassador. And Lisa has like a Mac makeup line thing. I think Melier, Melier is probably like as close to a decent guess as we have. Okay. Um. um wait. Wait. What? What's the um? Not. Not. What? What's a um? Garnier is a French-sounding name, but I can't think how that would fit in with film studies. No, I. I like. I like your. Let's go with your your gut, Chuck. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll lock in Melier. Fire course by the famous hairstyle of Ben Kingsley in the film Hugo. Uh, that is a good guess, but a, v- a valiant effort, but not correct. Uh, yeah, um, so thing is, I feel like each of the Blackpink members are like ambassadors for different products. So I know Jenny's Chanel, like Charlie said earlier, uh, Rosé is YSL, Jisoo, I believe, is Dior. Um, so maybe Dior, but I don't think Dior is hair care products. And then, um, Lisa, I think she's something for Celine. So I guess my guess would actually be Celine. I'm not quite sure what Celine is, though. Sounds French, though. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's a French brand, actually. I, don't, I just don't know if it's hair care products. But I'm going to go with Celine. Lisa's also kind of known for her hair. Everyone, like, really likes her bangs and stuff. So 
I'll go with Celine. All right. So they do each all have their own individual deals, which I'm sure they make tons of money through. But this is one that they all collectively have. Um, ah. It's a term that, you know, having I have a master's degree in, in film studies, so one that I've heard and taught multiple times, but you pretty much won't encounter anywhere outside of a, a academic film course. It's called mise-en-scene. Okay. Mm, no yeah. idea. Yeah, that's good. All right. Cool. Placement and scene. Yeah. All right. Now, Oishi and Charlie to steal from Drew. There are two municipalities in Florida controlled entirely by the Walt Disney Company. All four Disney World theme parks are located in one of them, but have mailing addresses in the other. Name either one. Mm, mailing municipalities in Florida. Orlando? I don't think municipality. Orlando is definitely a city. I just, I, I have no idea. I'm not, I, I truly, I don't. Well, hold on, like, so I play Pokemon Go a lot, and um, one of my uh, friends on Pokemon Go seems to live kind of by Disney World or something because they frequently send me gifts, and those gifts are like Aladdin's lamp or something, Aladdin, like things like themed, like Disney World, but the location always says Lake Buena Vista. So I kind of want to guess Lake Buena Vista. Buena Vista is a very Disney, Disney sounding word. Lake Disney Buena Vista. Place, so. That makes sense to me. I'd like that. Go for it. Yeah. Let's do Buena Vista. You're locking in Buena Vista? Lake Buena Vista. Lake let's, be, let's be specific about this. Yes. <laughs> Lake, Lake Buena Vista? Is that correct, Drew? I'm not actually sure. There's like three or four different answers in my brain that are all rattling around. And that was not one of the ones I thought of, but it is very plausible. Like it, it's it's one of those things, I think, even if you've been there many, many times, like it's especially the way that the question's worded, which I think is is definitely the correct phrasing, saying that it's it's controlled entirely is also sort of throwing me off that only because it's one of those things where I've heard like, you know, there's like eight or nine different names that get applied to the place. But I, I think you locked it down in a very like, natural way but that being said it's causing me to have self-doubt but I, I definitely think lake buena vista sounds pretty solid and it wouldn't surprise me if that is correct i mean so there are two so if that is correct you could still get a bonus if you know the other one that's that's the thing that it's it's like so in that case i will the the fact that you use the phrase controlled entirely by the walt disney company i know that they have their like company town is the wrong phrasing to it but they created their own municipality. Well, use the term municipality in the question in order to like take control and have like a, a like private Disney World only like fire and emergency. And I know that that's called Reedy Creek. So I'd probably answer that as my bonus point opportunity. All but right. once again, there's a ton of names floating around. I mean, you're Kissimmee. Well, Celebration, which is the Disney plant town, is technically far enough away where that that's not going to be one of the answers. But but yeah, my answer would be um, like I, I know that. The Reedy Creek Improvement District is located inside the environs of the Disney property as a way to avoid paying taxes that would not directly benefit the Disney Corporation. So, all right. you, you all know, you all know, like the code name under which the property that like makes up Disney World was bought, right? Because it was bought by a bunch of different shell companies in different pseudonyms, one of which was literally M.T. Lot. But, uh, but yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> the overall, because they actually own twice as much land as they built up. Like, I think so. And when they made Disneyland, they quickly ran out of space and they allowed a bunch of vendors to set up space there and realized they couldn't expand the park. Even the second park there was built over a parking lot. So yeah. they didn't want to make the same mistake with Disney World. So they actually bought up more than twice as much land as they currently use. Like, there's a ton of room for them to expand. But that whole process of, of buying it up was called the Florida Project. So that does tie into your uh, indie film or uh, indie art film thing chuck but yeah the two the one that they're all located in is called bay lake and the mailing address is in lake buena vista oh, oh nice. nice yeah so uh, nice job hi this is future yogesh with some further clarification reedy creek improvement district is the governing jurisdiction that includes both bay lake and lake buena vista as well as some unincorporated land reedy creek is also a former name of Lake Buena Vista. All right, and the last question of this round before I move on to the super hard round, Drew and Oishi to steal from Charlie. And this is uh, turned out to be a very film and music, but definitely film heavy game. And so here's another another film question, but to an, an era in national cinema that's maybe a little more my familiarity than all of you. Uh, <laughs> Several classic British films, including Carol Reed's Odd Man Out and The Fallen Idol and Humphrey Jennings' celebrated documentary Fires Were Started, were scored by which composer? This man's great-grandson is believed to have co-written two songs on Taylor Swift's album Folklore under the pseudonym William Bowery. Oh, scored by what composer? And the man's great-grandson. Is it, is it Jack Antonoff? that finally collaborated with T-Swift on this folklore album? I I, I really have no idea. Ca- calling me a, a Swifty is very disingenuous because I really like Betty, and that's about it. Um, well, she has other... I, know, would call, I was calling you a Tom Swifty because of your answer to the first question. So. Oh, thank, thank you. <laughs> nice. It's um, pretty good. Distinctions must be drawn. <laughs> Distr- oh. Distinctions must be drawn. But, um, drawn. Nice. Anyway, yeah, so we're looking for... Okay, so the fact that they're British films are sending me to British composers, and I'm thinking, like, great-grandson means, assume let's assume, like, 25 years for each generation. So you're talking about someone born roughly, uh, like, 75-plus years ago, is, I think, safe to say. I'm not sure that the surname would have carried over all of the time, but basically I'm thinking, like, who are British composers that were active circa, you know, like, let's say 1950, 1960-ish. If, if we're doing, like, classical British composers, possibly, like, Ray Fawn Williams, but I don't know the years to pin him down. He might have been a lot earlier than that. I think his Sea Symphony was, like, 1920, so probably not. Um, oh, wait, hold on. William Bowery, it wasn't there that thing, it was, like, her boyfriend. William Bowery is her boyfriend now? Like, 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 not the, the pseudonym is William Bowery, but the real person is her boyfriend. So the great grandson is currently Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Who is Taylor Swift's boyfriend? I, I assume current boyfriend. I I don't keep up because legal contracts don't interest me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. No, um, um, uh, no, no. In, in all seriousness, it's just, it's, it, it's. Yeah, I'm only, not gonna. I don't think we're gonna get there. An only connect um Benjamin Britten, probably not him. That's another case, way too old. Vangelis did Chariots of Fire in the 80s. Perhaps he had a child at 14, who had a child at 14, who had a child at 14, which means they would probably be born circa 14 years ago. 
maybe Taylor Swift is dating a 14 year old. I mean, probably not. I'm crazy about that. Yeah, we're not getting there, I don't think. William Bowery is another case where I'm sure that the pseudonym might relate to the, you know, sort of how Moby is related to Herman Melville. No, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's related. I think I've read something about this, but I, I didn't look in greater detail. I don't think I'll remember the name. I, I think we're, we're out of it. Yeah. So is, is this the time that we go with Jones and just do, you know, like the, the horrific stereotyping? Let's the fact try that it. Every British person I've ever met has been last name Jones. Except for really? the dozens and dozens and dozens of people not named Jones. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's go with go. it. Jones, please, Yogesh. Yeah, so you're thinking, of course, of the uh, the the famous chaser Anne Hager T. Jones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it Paul Finna Jones? Um, <laughs> I'll just pass it to Charlie. Uh, I actually have seen The Fallen Idol, and I did not realize that this composer did the score for it. Excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you. I mean, you, you gave. I think you gave them half of the, half of the answer with um, William Bowery. Bowery referring to, I believe, I think a hotel maybe where they met or like hung out for the first time. I don't really know oh. what's in the contract, but um, I believe, I believe this composer's first name is William, and I really hope that the name carried down from great grandfather to great grandson because Taylor Swift's current boyfriend's name slash potential William Bowery is Joe Alwyn. So I believe that the composer's name is William Alwyn, but just in case, I'm just going to say Alwyn. Good strategy there. Nice. I really like like The Fallen Idol. In fact, I mean, I know The Third Man is supposed to be the the Carol Reed Grand Green collaboration. That's so great. I I thought The Fallen Idol was a much better film. Oh, it hums along. It feels completely timeless. I mean, the, the chemistry really crackles. The sets are amazing. Like... Yeah, yeah great. that shot with the paper airplane going around, and yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Ralph Richardson is one of my all-time favorite actors. But yeah, William Alwyn is the correct answer. Very nice. Good call. All right, so it looks like we end that round on... I'll go back and recheck that these are right, but it looks like Oishi 16.2, Drew 24.3, Charlie 33.1. So wow. Charlie, uh, open up a bit of a lead, but that could very easily change because the point values are going up to six points for a steal, five for a specialist, three for a bonus in the super hard round. And we'll just roll right into that with Drew and Charlie to steal from Oishi. All right. Fans of the original Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy know Vanessa Branch as Giselle, who formed the blonde half of a double act alongside the Lauren Mara portrayed Scarlet, who was a redhead. To the rest of us, however, Branch is most familiar for appearing in ads. For which brand that was heavily promoted when it was relaunched in the U.S. market in 2001? In 2010, Branch's role was taken over by an actress named Patton Ferris, who, in my opinion, was not nearly as good at saying the word fabulous. Ooh. Yeah, I am. Um, the catchphrase fabulous. I have no idea. I don't either. Um, when it was relaunched in the U.S. market in 2001. Fabulous. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even, like, the only thing I can think of from that time period, which I know is, is incorrect for a wide variety of reasons, is you know how they had that Fanta girl group that, like, advertised no, Fanta? I think, that, yeah, there used to be this, like, Fanta girl group, like, parodying the Spice Girls almost, where, like, they were dressed in, like, colors to represent the different Fantas, and they sang this, like, Don't You Want a Fanta song? It's, it's a terrible <laughs> earworm. It makes, it makes Mambo number no. five look like Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Like, I, I just can't, can't even express how like horrific it is. Not not Cohen, of course. That's that's a great song that's just been ruined by a ton of people. But what what I'm trying to say is I don't have anything. 
Like, I, I like, I just, maybe Fanta, it's probably wrong, just purely off of the idea that, you know, she's an attractive blonde woman, and there were, that was a product that was relaunched circa 2001. I, I can't give you anything else, though, unfortunately. Like, I can't, I, I don't think Fabulous comes into play with that, but that is something that, well, not to mention 2010, makes it seem like it's a super long-running ad series then, so. Yeah. I mean, Last at least 10 years. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of like long running commercial characters also that aren't like Colonel Sanders or like Flo or yeah. the Old Spice guy. Although, in Colonel Sanders' defense, Robocop has played Colonel Sanders before. So it's very plausible that at some point these two women have as well. But yeah, I think um, I, I don't have anything better than Phantom. I, I'm fairly certain that's incorrect. Maybe he meant to spell Fantabulous. Who knows? Uh. I, yeah, we can just say that. I genuinely, I don't even have a different, like, I don't even have a reasonable guess. So, I, I'm, I'm not going to sing it to get the copyright gods upon us, but they say there was a sacred drink that <laughs> whose answer's name was Fanta. Fanta, please. I, I, believe, I believe you have to be a, a redheaded woman to play Colonel Sanders. I, I think that's the rule. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, she... Yeah, so I actually recently learned this. She's the woman who goes like this, and it's for the orbit gum. She says, fabulous. It's oh. orbit, is the answer. Wow. She's the orbit lady. For a fresh, clean feeling, no matter what. Exactly. Wow. I don't think I actually heard the commercial, but I, I was actually studying up a little bit, and I came across this trivia fact a couple of days ago. That's yeah. amazing. That's great. And also, in researching it, I, someone on YouTube has put together a compilation of those ads featuring her. That's over 16 minutes long, which considering wow. each ad was 15 to 30 seconds, is quite a few of them. <laughs> All right, Oishi and Charlie now to steal from Drew. In the ninth episode of this podcast, which has in fact been released, my guests and I briefly discussed the career of married couple Martin Landau and Barbara Bain, who starred together in a U.S. TV series from 1966 to 1969 and an unrelated U.K. TV series from 1975 to 1977. So those shows, as I said, are unrelated but if you put together the first words of their titles, you will get the name of what attraction that has been part of Epcot since 2003. Uh, oh, no. So uh, I think that... Okay, 66 to 69. So what's in Epcot? I think that maybe, if I'm remembering this correctly, Martin Landau was maybe in the original Mission Impossible series which okay. oh been. mission space is a thing okay maybe the other tv series is like space something space i don't space. really know but if, if you think mission space is an epcot thing mission space is definitely an epcot thing i don't know I, i'm trying to think of is there is there anything something mission though maybe oh. it's the other way around it could definitely be the other way around too yeah yeah, yeah i'm trying to um, uh, i can't remember anything else that's like something mission so I would go with Mission Space then, I guess, is my yeah. my guess. And I'm trying to think if there's other Martin Landau that I can remember, but the only thing that is coming to mind of like old shows with Martin Landau and them that I remember is Mission Impossible. That's it. Mm-hmm. So M- Mission Mission Space is that? That's that's definitely a thing. In Great. Epcot. Great. Let's let, let's go for it. Uh, we'll lock in Mission Space. Okay. Mission Space. Who is Mission Space in Epcot? regrettably yes <laughs> i mean yes yes it is it's a wonderful ride that does not give me immense motion sickness which is why i don't ride it anymore 
<laughs> yeah, so, although Mission, the original run of Mission Impossible went until 1973. Landau and Bain both left after the third season. Barbara Bain had actually won the Outstanding uh, Lead Actress in a Drama Series Emmy for all three seasons she was on the show. And her last acceptance speech was given after she learned she had been fired, and it's uh, very interesting to watch. <laughs> but yes, in the 70s, they starred in the cult, now something of a cult classic, Space 1999, which at the time was meant to sound really futuristic, because 1999 was in the future then. And uh, of course, they also appeared together their true masterpiece, the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. Cool. Yeah. Drew and Oishi now to steal from Charlie. So speaking of Brandy Chastain, as you kind of were earlier, Brandy Chastain's only foray into screen acting to date came in the 2019 six-season premiere of which sitcom? Although Chastain was mentioned by name several times in the episode, she did not actually play herself. Rather, she depicted the mother of Chelsea Crisp's character, Honey. Hi, future Yogesh here, and I made a pretty big error that thankfully didn't affect the playability of the question, but Brandy Chastain did not play Honey's mother. She played Honey's stepmother-in-law. Also, while I'm talking about sitcom episodes, in the previous episode of this podcast, I said that Nina Conti appeared in season three of Black Books. She actually made her appearance in season two. Oh, and also in that episode, I think I implied that Salman Rushdie had a Nobel Prize, which he does not. Chelsea Chris's character. Honey? Yeah. Okay. Um, the only thing I have, which I don't watch much terrestrial television anymore, <laughs> a show that started in 2013 that's been on for six seasons. A lot of the prestige dramas now, of course, haven't been on that long. So I think we can oh, eliminate oh, like... Oh, Chelsea, honey, that's the fresh off the boat. Oh, that's not yeah. where I was going to go, but... That's, Wait, no, but, but yeah. that doesn't make sense. Honey is from Fresh of the Boat, but but Fresh of the Boat premiered way later, not 2013. Never mind. Honey is a character. Um, uh, well, well, I'll, wait, I'll give but... you this. The, the one that came to my <laughs> mind, which I know nothing about other than Anna Ferris, I think is leaving it or has left it, is the sitcom Mom. No, the, that's the not story. it. That's, then in, then in that case, def- definitely go with Fresh Off the Boat because... 2019? Yeah, that, that sounds... Wait, no, but Chelsea Crisp's character is named Honey on... That That has to be it. Then, then I watched this show. I know who that, that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that has to be it. Okay, okay. yeah. Let's, let's go yeah. fresh off the boat. Took me way too long. Yeah. All right, you're locking in fresh off the boat? Fresh off the boat. All right, and yes, that is the show in which Chelsea Crisp plays Honey. How was 2019 the sixth season? It started oh, you know in 2015, what? I believe. Yeah, you know, maybe what happened was the first season was like... Like it was, it didn't come on in the fall. It came oh, on like season replacement. Yeah. Yeah, and then the second season was something like that. Maybe, maybe that's, that's why cool. it doesn't fit because it, it didn't come yeah. on. Like yeah. So the sixth season premiere would be in the same year that the fifth season ended, right? Because one ends in the the spring and the. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Didn't know uh, that was Randy Chastain. Excellent poll. And yeah, she has drawn ahead of, of Drew now for second place and only six points behind Charlie, I believe. Okay, so next question. What was the first... Oh, uh, Drew and Charlie to steal from Oishi, keep her from closing the gap even further. What was the first Blackpink song to crack the Billboard Hot 100? In February 2019, the group made their U.S. television debut performing this song on Late Show with Stephen Colbert, taped in the Ed Sullivan Theater, almost exactly 55 years after the Beatles made their U.S. TV debut in the exact same building. I know one Blackpink song, and it is not the one I know. So, What's, what's the one that you know? The one with Selena Gomez? Yeah, it's not that one. 
It's um, not ice cream. It's, um, it's nothing from the album because that album, all of those songs have come out during 2020. I was going to so, say, it's, it's like the Blackpink quarantine album, right? Or like right yeah. before quarantine. But yeah, yeah, well, like Ice Cream was shot in two different countries, the music video. Like Selena is not with them. She's driving yeah. an ice cream truck somewhere else. Right. <laughs> um, so the first single from like the interregnum period between their Japanese full length album and then the start of this cycle was Kill This Love which I believe was 2019. And then the 2020 singles were How You Like That, Ice Cream, and Love Sick Girls, uh, as always she mentioned earlier. And the ones from before that were all, uh, they're, they're all from like 2018. But 2019, February 2019, I think that that sounds right for it to be Kill This Love, which was pretty big. I think that, I think that Kill okay. This Love is probably a good answer. I like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll lock in Kill This Love. All right. So as advertised, I will exercise my right to keep everyone in suspense by not commenting on that and passing it to Oishi. I actually don't think it's Kill This Love. Kill This Love came out in April of 2019. They performed it at Coachella and that was like their first big performance of it. I think it's actually the one right before. It's Do 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 Do, which is like a pretty big uh, hit for them. That was like like that. They opened their concerts with that that song because that's like one of their best known songs until I guess Kill This Love came along. Yeah, so I'm going to go with... Do, 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 do. That's my answer. Okay, so I think I, I will be lenient on this, because even though the chorus is definitely do-do-do-do-do, the title of the song is actually just do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do, yeah. Nice I'll be lenient and accept that. And I believe with that, Oishi has gone from being 17 points down to being just one point down. Hey. Well done. Hey. Yeah. All right. And now this one, okay, this one, Oishi and Charlie to steal from Drew. This is actually probably the hardest question of the game, although there will be more questions after it. All right. So here's a question. Several of Roy Lichtenstein's works of pop art, including Wham, Bratata, Bratatat, and As I Opened Fire, were based on panels from what comic book series published between 1956 and 1966 by DC? You can give either its original title or the shortened title under which it was revived from 1977 to 1980, and again from 2011 to 2012. Comic book series. Oh no. Ah, no clue. DC comic book series. Based on the fact that Yogesh said this was probably the hardest, it's probably not like Justice League or something very like, Yeah, Detective obvious. Comics or uh, Action Comics. Yeah. I don't know. Is Watchmen DC? Is that something it's, possible? It's not that. Yeah. Um, that came out post-Reagan. Um, mm-hmm. I see. I, uh, I there are just things in my head that I don't even know if they're like, publishers or if they're series or like i'm trying to think of like i feel like i should maybe be able to get this from the fact that it was revived in 2011 when i was like caring about comic books um and also like they're probably closer to like non-superhero things given that it's like i'm not familiar with these paintings but i'm assuming there's like gunfire in them maybe something like wham is based on yeah that's like the big like plane crashing thing right the, the 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 fire coming out and the plane going towards it sounds good to me i think like because it's not gonna be like tales from the crypt which i think did get a reboot recently but that's more like supernatural stuff i think very like mm-hmm. ec comics is a thing 
but I don't know if it's a series or a publisher again. <laughs> um, I know it's like old and I know that they've, I don't know. I would go for just like EC comics. Maybe they relaunched it as like EC. Okay. I don't know. I, 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 I have no guess. Know. So I think you're, you have a better shot than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. EC comics. We'll lock that. All right. Drew? Yeah. So this is, this is a crazy question. The EC comics is a good way to go down, but EC was mostly horror. So he's looking for the specific war comics anthology that DC published during these years, which your guess was correct in assuming is, is like crazy. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think like it, it's the, the thing I scratched down on my scribble pad is amazing war stories, which I think is like mostly there, but not quite right. Cause I know that the, a lot of the, the Brad panels are taken from like a specific romance anthology. It might be called like strange romance, possibly don't quote me on that though. But, but this is like the, the worst. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to submit amazing war stories, which I think is like 80% of the way there, but it's not quite there. But yeah, that, that's my answer. All right. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking kind of along the, the lines, but it was called All American Men of War. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The, the later, <laughs> later ones were just called Men of War. But yeah, this is the, the super hard round. The difficulty kind of took a jump up there, but I mean, I had to, to stop your streak. Yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. Yeah. yeah. If I wanted easy trivia questions, I would put on a, a like I don't know a little kid uniform, and then I try to play middle school quiz bowl over Zoom. But I don't do that because I'm only interested <laughs> in hard, challenging, fun things. So. All right. So four questions remaining now, and we will go to Drew and Oishi to steal from Charlie. Several supermodels and members of Taylor Swift's squad appear in the Joseph Kahan-directed video for Bad Blood, including Carly Kloss as Knockout, Gigi Hadid as Slay Z, and Cara Delevingne as Mother Chucker. Name either of the two Victoria's Secret Angels who can be seen in that video as respectively Home Slice and Frostbite. Okay, so I, I think I remember. Uh, let, me, let me think about this. So, like, Taylor Swift, I, I remember, like, reading like a breakdown of all the characters. So Victoria's Secret Models, um, who was there? So we already, we already have Gigi and Kara there. Uh, what was this? Carly Claus? Is she one of them? Uh, Carly Claus is listed in the question. Whoa, shoot. Oh, Knockout right there. That's Unfo- not it. Unfortunately, the, the, the two I remember are definitely not Victoria's Secret Angels. Which um, ones do you remember? Mariska Hargitay, I believe, makes an oh, appearance. Lily Aldridge is there. Lily Aldridge is one of them, probably. Lily Aldridge. Yeah. Well, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 that, that sounds good, because I sorry. think, isn't, isn't Selena in the video, too? Yes, Selena is, but she's... So, she's... Selena and Mariska are not Victoria's Secret. I mean, they're both beautiful women, but um, they are not Victoria's Secret Angels, I'm pretty sure. Lily Aldridge is a is a Victoria's Secret Angel. Yeah, that, that, that's killer. Are you I, sure that's, that's one of them? I, I definitely like, I think that's a great answer, Rishi. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. Let's go with it. Yes. You're locking in Lily Aldridge. I'm sorry. It's actually Lena Dunham. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, no, Frost Frostbite was in fact Lily Aldridge, and Home Slice was. Uh, do you remember Charlie? That I I knew Frostbite, and I'm trying to remember. I literally watched this video last night, and uh, there's so many people in it. Yeah. Well, um. I'll, I'll take I'll take a stab I'll take a stab. Is it like who else would have been in the really? Uh, I'll go for Adriana Lima. 
Yeah, yeah. So this isn't your uh, that that wasn't you. You will get a bonus. That wasn't actually your bonus. You didn't okay, make it okay. that hard about it. Um, yeah. Adrian Lima, yeah, is is the one who has the the record for appearing in the most Victoria's Secret shows. She does. One, yes, one more than uh, Alessandra Ambrosio, and then the third the third most number is actually another Brazilian model. When I ask people, they will always guess Giselle Bunchen, but it's actually a woman named Isabel Goulart. But anyway, uh, Home Slice was portrayed by Martha Hunt. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, so really that's, really that's... quickly, what what's Thanos' code name in the Bad Blood music video? Wait, what? <laughs> when, when, when Thanos appears as a member of the squad, like, it's like just, you know, part, just Thanos. Midnight, and then Spider-Man swings through the portal, and then Thanos appears. Yes. <laughs> what what is Thanos' code name again? But yeah, so yeah, so Martha Hunt, I think, might may have the record for the unsexiest name of a Victoria's Secret model, but um. <laughs> Uh, here's your actual bonus. So, uh, speaking of songs called Bad Blood, Bad Blood was also the title of a 1975 U.S. number one hit that turned out to be the most successful commercial release by what singer usually associated with the late 50s and early 60s? Oh, no. Um, I definitely have seen this on Wikipedia disambiguation pages for Bad Blood. That has not translated over into actually knowing it. Yeah, I truly, I don't even shoot. Uh, what singer usually associated with the late 50s and early 60s? It's early Hot 100, or people in the early Hot 100. Um, you know what? It's seasonal. I'll go with Brenda Lee. Alright, yeah, so this is someone, again, whose most famous songs, now what we now think of as his most famous songs came out in the early 60s, but his biggest selling actual release was in the 70s when his career was revived with the help of Elton John, who actually sang backup vocals on Bad Blood, and which was replaced in number one by Island Girl, actually, another Elton John song, but his name was Neil Sedaka. Oh, I didn't know, but okay. A beneficiary of that sort of um, boom in like like pre pre JFK assassination period nostalgia in the 70s. It also gave us American Graffiti and uh, Rick Nelson's Garden Party and so on. Makes sense. Okay, so uh, that has put Oishi into first place, and Drew's actually creeping up. I'm almost about to take second place away from Charlie. Hey, man. All right, but heading into the final cycle, the, the winner has definitely not been decided yet. So each of you will now get one more specialist question and two more chances to steal. So this next question is another solve for X question where I read a long quote from which I've redacted something, and your job is to fill in what's been redacted. Drew and Charlie now to steal from Rishi. When Senator Edward M. Kennedy died at summer's end, it was inevitable that his extraordinary life would be regarded through the lens of literature. In obituaries, the history of his family was compared to Greek tragedy, and commentators described his accomplishments and his failings as novelistic. Memorializing his departed colleague on the Senate floor, Senator Robert Byrd turned to the poetry of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime, and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. Meanwhile, at the Manhattan offices of X, which produces books and creates other properties for the preteen and teenage markets, an editorial group was holding a development meeting in a windowless office pondering the relevance of the T.D. Kennedy story for younger readers. The question under consideration, could you do Chappaquiddick for kids? Okay, so that was the quote. So begins a fascinating 2009 New Yorker article about what media company, now a unit of Warner Brothers Television, behind such massively successful franchises as Gossip Girl and Pretty Little Liars. They've also given us, among many other things, the book series The Clique and The Lux, the TV series The Vampire Diaries, and the films The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and The Sun is Also a Star. Oh. Truly have read or seen, like, all of those. And I do not 
The Sun is also a star is one of my Cleveland trivia group big memes, and that Ryan Milowicki and I were two of the only guys to ever see that movie in the theater. We're pretty sure. We're convinced that there were like 12 of us, and we're, you know, literally 16% of the, the in-theater visiting. Um, whoa, yeah, let's let's go back through this question, slash thesis. And had an office of X. So, so Ted Kennedy, we're looking at, you know, 1960, late 60s, early 70s for mm-hmm. I believe. So in that general time frame, so the company's existing at least since then. Oh, no, no. When Ted Kennedy died. So. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it is, um, it is recent. And they did, they did do all those books, all the, the Pretty Little Liars books, I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, this is um District of the Traveling Pants and the Sun is also a star. But, um, so we're looking for like a media company. So there's a publishing arm because it has books and TV series and films. But all of them are based on books. So at the end of the day, we're looking for like a preteen book publisher that's branched out into other media. Yeah. Um, trying to. Th- I mean, I, I don't think I've ever read any of the books in any of these series. Um, I definitely have. And... I do not remember the name of the publisher. I know as soon as I hear it, it's going to ring a bell, but oh no. Like Harper Tween. I'm just trying to think what even like plausible publishing house names there are. Like like the the, the, the mediocre tween romantic Blumhouse analog. Like I, I don't think I have anything, Chuck. Like not I don't either. know. I don't, I don't either. No. Um, yeah. Warner Brothers Television. It's like shondaland but instead of you know compelling characters it's these things <laughs> i don't even know where to go with this i'm sorry no i have no idea either and i'm gonna feel real bad once i hear the answer for sure but i just i really i don't i don't know how about harper tween sure the, the tween imprint of uh, imprint of harper collins can, we would like to answer with, with harper tween please all right, yeah. So this this was another reworking of a question cut from my Pretty Little Liars 1DS. Of course, that one would have had a few lateral hints thrown in, and this is the super hard round, so uh, you didn't get those hints. So it's you know, mm-hmm. not, not surprising you struggled, but uh, I'll pass to Oishi. Yeah, so my first thought was that I know Tyra Banks was involved with the the movie version of the book series The Click. So she 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 has some production company called like Bankable or something like that. But I don't think they have anything to do with books. I, I'd be really shocked if if they, they also produce books. So I don't know if that's right. Um, based on this, there is there's one company I'm kind of thinking of that I've heard both in a um, book context and a TV show context, but neither the book that I have heard related to this series or related to this company, nor the TV show I've heard related to this company are listed here. So I am also very hesitant about that. So I'm like, I'm like torn between two very rocky roads right now. I don't know that either of those are actually stable things to go on. So there is, but there is a book called like Everything, Everything recently. And that book was published by this one company. And this same company is apparently also responsible for this TV show that I watch called The Hundred. So, but neither of those things are listed here. But that makes me think that, okay, there is this company that does both books and TV shows. And and it kind of fits the profile, you know, both like, like Everything Everything is a young adult book. These are young adult books. Uh, the TV show The Hundred kind of fits in 
I don't think it's the same same network though that does the Vampire Diaries, so I'm very torn. But I'll go with it. You know, might as well make a guess. Um, it's called Alloy. That's what you're locking in. Yeah. Do I need more? Can I just say Alloy? Uh, yeah. That, I mean. Yeah, so actually in that uh, in that New Yorker article, the, the head of the company, Leslie Morgenstein, is actually quoted as saying, like, I just really want to use the title The 100 for something. I just really like that title. Um, and he, he did eventually get his wish. It's called Alloy Entertainment. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Wow. That's amazing. I'm very happy about that. All right. So, yeah, Oishi is, uh, yeah, only one question this round you haven't gotten or been a part of. Really? The, the got. Yeah, only the Roy Einstein one. Yeah, so that extends your lead, and now Oishi and Charlie to steal from Drew. So, Sinead Grimes, perhaps the second most famous alumnus of Degrassi The Next Generation, was one of six gorgeous and then popular actresses who agreed to be killed off in brief cameos during the impressively clever opening sequence of what 2011 film? Impressively clever opening sequence. Okay. Oh, 2011, is that when This Is The End happened? 20, no, this, this is the end of 2013. Mm, yeah, I, I wouldn't call the opening impressively clever, come to think of it. No, impressive. I think that I have an idea, and I'm trying to desperately remember the last time I watched this movie. I'm trying to remember the beginning, but I never rewatch Scream 4. I only rewatch Screams 1, 2, and 3, but I'm pretty sure that Scream 4 came out in 2011. It would not be surprising, since they are, that series is incredibly recursive, that they would do a bit where they're going, oh, yes, because I think the beginning of Scream 4 is they're doing the, have you seen any of the Scream movies? Wait, she, okay, so in the Scream series, they have this uh, movie series, like fake movie series that they'll like be on the production of or whatever. I think it's called like like Slash or something or like something like that. But I'm pretty sure that they're in the fourth one, in, in Scream 4 at the beginning there's two people and they're watching like all of the slash movies. And I think they get up to like slash seven or whatever. And then that would make sense that if it's the six actresses all dying, they're all being killed in the various slash movies. Oh, okay. Makes sense to me. I like it. If it's not that, I have no idea. So <laughs> sounds good. No, that, that sounds very plausible. I like it. Let's I do it. it. And I think that it's like, it's like somebody famous too. Who's like sitting there watching all of the, all of the fake movies. Yeah, I, I think Scream 4. I think Scream 4 is probably the way to go here. Cool. Let's do it. We'll, we'll lock in Scream 4. All right. Is that correct, Drew? Um, I don't think it's correct, because I'd argue that both Jake Epstein and Nina Dobrev are also like logical choices as the second most famous alumnus of Degrassi, The Next Generation. <laughs> also, also, of course, you, you can't discount Stefan Brogren who, as, as Archibald Rupert Snake Simpson, uh, went from being yet a lowly cast member on Degrassi's junior and senior highs to being the adult linchpin and only major character, you know, to really appear throughout the entirety of the show's run. He, like the school of Degrassi itself, is, you know, that continuity needed for narrative cohesion. Um, No, I, I have no clue. I don't watch horror movies for the most part, but I think Scream, <laughs> Scream, Scream 4 sounds pretty fantastic. I, I hope it's the right answer. All right, yeah. So, so in, in Charlie's um, walking through the answer, the fictional series in the series is actually called Stab, not Slash. Stab. There we go. <laughs> Glad you didn't make me cope with that. <laughs> but yes, that was not in fact uh, part of the answer, so it's perfectly fine that you uh, you got that wrong. Um, 
it, it is, uh, yeah, along with Kristen Bell, Anna Paquin, Lucy Hale, who I saw last night on the Drakken New Year's Eve, and mm-hmm. uh, I believe um, I believe Britt Robertson and Amy Teagarden were the two who were popular at the time, and maybe not that well-remembered now, and Sinead Grimes were the six who got uh, killed off or Actually, I think actually Kristen Bell didn't get killed off. Maybe she actually she stabbed Anna Paquin. Yeah, I think that she's she's watching. They're like watching the six movies, I'm pretty sure. And then she, yeah, she turns her on the couch and like stabs her. And that's stab seven. Yeah, so, so, um, uh, yeah, because, yeah, Anna Paquin's character is talking or, or saying something about how these are all so predictable and nothing unpredictable ever happens in them. And then Kristen Bell stabs her. Yeah. <laughs> that unpredictable. Well, yeah. what season of Degrassi were they on? <laughs> i think yeah i think so maybe i also slightly misworded the question as well so uh we no, all... no, no, that's, no that's that's a perfectly cromulent because like they yeah. they definitely are like showing six movies on the tv screen that they're watching so that's yeah it definitely works all right so yeah that unfortunately doesn't close the gap though because oichi also read credit for the steal uh, so i think thanks charlie yeah. yep I mean, I couldn't not get that one. I love horror movies. <laughs> yeah. So the um the, the game the results of the game are pretty well tied up now. Yeah, but there's still one more question, which of course, since we're all playing for pride, we'll of course all try hard on it regardless. So the final question. This is actually a reworking of a question from the All Cinema episode, which I haven't released yet. Episode 19. The version of the question I wrote then turned out to be very easy, easier than I wanted it to be. So I've rewritten it to make it more difficult. And it will go to Drew and Oishi to try and steal from Charlie. Yet another art house cinema question. The 2005 BBC miniseries Fingersmith stars Sally Hawkins as a Victorian-era pickpocket who gets roped into a scheme to gaslight an heiress out of her inheritance, only to develop lesbian feelings for her mark. Then there's a twist that turns the entire tale on its head. What internationally famous director told more or less the same story, albeit transplanted to early 20th century Asia, in a 2016 period erotic thriller that drew praise for its visually sumptuous look and expressive use of color? So, so you're saying that Drew praised this movie for its visually <laughs> sumptuous look and expressive use of color. <laughs> All uh, right, Drew, what are you praising? Can we can we oh. name it? Can we make it name a team someday? Drew praise. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Praise Drew is the new single by Norman Fatboy Slim Cook. <laughs> and, um, I just want to praise Drew. No, um, Oishi, I hate to tell you, I don't feel useful for this question again. Just the only thing I can think of. You know, internationally famous director, that story in early 20th century Asia, it could be like Wong Kar Wai, possibly. Um, erotic thriller, possibly. He does have like sumptuous looks and expressive uses of colors. But that being said, I don't know. I don't have anything else to go off on that. I'm just I'm just assuming since it's 20th century Asia, we're looking for an Asian director. Internationally famous, probably not Bong Joon-ho. Like he hasn't done a movie like this, has he? Wasn't wasn't his from Parasite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't his like most recent movie before Parasite about like a pig or something? I don't know. I, I know I, he did Snowpiercer. Right? I mean, no? the the only erotic thriller involving a pig I can think of is probably some you know food <laughs> thing involving Iberico ham. So um, so I have you seen Babe Pig in the City then? <laughs> no, not not in some time. So, anyways, um, I think. Wong Kar Wai is the best I have, but I I don't think there's any other clues though. The Fingersmith is a way to tie it in. That's interesting and it sounds. I will probably watch it at some point in the next couple of days. 
Um, twist the turn. Yeah. Okay. There's no idea what twist that turns it on its head. So is there a international like if if it's a movie with a twist, is this secretly like M Night Shyamalan? I don't think so. I mean, the the really? biggest twist about the biggest twist about this question would be you know positive reviews for the the stylistic cinematography of an M Night Shyamalan movie. Like that's that's the surprising part. That would be what makes this an incredible trivia question. Um, I'm guessing like I I have I have no real thing to go off of other than. Yeah, I'm really curious though. I, I I want to know what this plot is. I want to know what this twist is, but I um yeah. can't really think. That more or less the same story transplanted to early 20th century Asia. So a film set in early 20th century Asia that came out in 2016. <sighs> I'm trying to think if I know anything. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I I really can't come up with anything useful right now. Lesbian plot twist. <laughs> no, saying the words lesbian plot twist is not going to help me in any way. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be exciting. Yeah, I, I don't have anything better, I don't think. Yeah, I, I yeah, no idea. I, we should pass, I guess. Uh, let's, let's Wong Kar Wai it then. Oh, Wong Kar Wai, yeah, sorry, yes. Yeah. Wong Kar Wai, please. You just want to say Wong since you only required to have a last name? Yeah, let's say, let's say Wong. All let's right. do Wong. Yeah. All right, just a little strategy there. I think this game will be over quite soon once I pass it to Charlie, so uh, I'll just do that. Yeah, so Fingersmith is pretty dope. I watched that earlier in quarantine. Young Sally Hawkins, as the question mentions. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good, but it is far outstripped in competition with a movie that I saw in the small auditorium at the Music Box Theater in 2016, The Handmaiden, which is both visually sumptuous and just overall amazing movie most erratic use of a thimble in any movie ever and the internationally famous director you were sort of close with it it, for for tooth filing that's that's the use of the thimble but uh you were close ish at least nationality speaking with bong joon ho but the handmaiden is actually park chen wook Yes, and it took me an embarrassingly long time to figure out that both Fingersmith and The Handmaiden were intended to be double entendres. <laughs> oh! Yeah, well, F- Fingersmith, Fingersmith nice. is actually like an old, like that's the name of the book that right. is the original basis for both of these works. I mean, it was, I believe, an old school, old timey term for uh, lesbian, so. Okay, well, I think it was, it was like a slang term for pickpocket, but kind of takes on a double meaning. With, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, double Sorry, what's the twist? Can you tell us? Go watch the movie. Go watch the handmaid. I, I don't have time. That's fair. That's fair. It's it's truly it's it's great. I I really enjoyed it a lot. I was gonna yeah. say that is really lazy with regard to twists, like Wikipedia is a thing, but I would not recommend getting spoiled on Wikipedia. I would recommend watching at least one, if not both, of these works. I actually don't get spoiled by things. So, like, if, if I read something and I, and I feel like, oh, that sounds interesting, I, I'm actually more likely to watch it. So I know I'm in the minority there. Everybody else uh, hates spoilers and hates when it asks to ask them for spoilers. So I understand. But, yeah. Well, yeah. sounds good. 
Yeah, I, I saw uh, a handmade on like the one art house screen at the Alamo Draft House in El Paso. And yeah, I mean, seeing it on the big, I imagine it's still de- decent on the small screen, but on the big screen, it's just amazing to look at. The colors are spectacular. Mm-hmm. All right, so I, okay, what, what are we on now? Final scores. That was a quick taping, which ended up uh, under time. So final scores of Oishi 55.2, Drew 36.3. Charlie, 50.1. Oh, nice. Yay. Yeah, I, I don't recall ever seeing two people over 50 before. It might have happened, but it's very it's very impressive. That's very uh, surprising because at, at most quiz events, there are at least two people over 50. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, the, in terms of the contestant on this podcast, the ages have kind of, you know, been been in the relatively low range. I think having the those three British guys in the previous episode brought the average down a bit because I think they're all pretty young, <laughs> incredibly knowledgeable, of course. <laughs> but okay, so basically we end with everyone getting a final chance to say anything they want about anything about the game, the world at large, anything they want to plug, anything that happens to be on their mind. It doesn't matter as long as it's not too long or offensive. It'll be kept in, and we'll go in reverse order of placement. So we will begin with Oishi. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, I hope that whatever this next year brings you, that we are all able to enjoy some more trivia altogether. And hope everyone stays safe and healthy. All right. Charlie? Stream evermore. That's my, <laughs> that's my message. <laughs> Happy New Year. This is, this is a great fun a format where you kind of get to pick your favorite topics so you know that they're going to come up. And then you have to sit and watch your friends lose their minds over them uh good times good times all right yeah true the more i think about it i think that if we're being technical the fact that kevin smith jason muse and alanis morissette guest starred on degrassi <laughs> technically means that any of them might be you know on the same tier as drake so at the end of the day you have four people who i think you can all fair no muse muse is definitely below the other what i'm trying to say is thank you very much for hosting this yo Gesh. the questions were wonderful to Chuck and Oishi, it's great competing against you. I should have realized Blackpink. I should have realized T-Swift. I should have crammed. I didn't. I don't regret that because, you know, we, we still got, you know, a lot of those. I, I enjoy the team aspect. It's great playing with you. Happy 2021 to everyone. To the alien overlords that will be listening to this by the time it gets released in a week or two or in a month or two. I, I appreciate the way that you subjugate the human race. Um, 2021 is going it, it is magnificent. Thank you for all of your, thank you for allowing us to drink water again. That's appreciated. And um, they said it couldn't get worse than 2020, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's Drew, a good Drew, note to end on. <laughs> Drew for one welcomes our new overlords. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't realize Nina Dobrev had been on that show. I, I, I think, yeah, she's definitely more famous than Sinead Grimes. I, no, I, I think I think Nina and Sinead are very equivalent in that they had their bright, glorious moments post-Degrassi before, you know, fading out like everybody in the sun is also a star not named Charles Melton. And even then, there's still time. And like the sun, which is a star, eventually. <laughs> it too will fade out. <laughs> this has been episode six of season two of Recreational Thinking with Yoga Shroud. Thanks for listening.